1: Reveille, Reveille, docks. Look at us now, tip to tip. This is our life. This is our passion. That's the spirit we bring to this show. I'm Luke Thomas. I'm Brian Campbell. This is Morning Combat. Oh, yeah. Can you feel it? Can you smell it? Oh, that's art right there. Friday, October 7th. You've stumbled in on the best damn combat sports show, period. It is the multi-award-winning morning combat. Yes, we are rebels just for kicks, yeah. Hang around, though. It'll start feeling like 1996, yeah. My name is Brian Campbell, the beige guy. Uh, You know, the guy you stay for. But what gets you in the door? It's that brother right next to me. He's half Armenian. He's always upset. But he's the best damn non-fighting <laughs> fight analyst in the game today it's luke thomas everyone
0: couldn't be an intro that was solely positive there's always backhanded compliments but i'll just say it's nice to see you bc how are you
1: i'm doing great because you know today's type of show luke to be honest with the public there ain't much going on this weekend we're gonna nope. get to showtime boxing we're gonna get to your latest news in the mma cycle we're gonna close with dead wrong and happy hour today but today one of those luke do you remember you were in high school You mandatorily had to do gym class. So you know your your football coach, gym teacher, would just roll out the balls, be like, "Hey guys, I'm gonna go make X's and O charts in my office and drink hooch. Uh, why don't you guys just play pickup ball for a while?" This is a roll out the balls type of MK episode. You know what I'm saying?
0: Was this was this one of the grand Connecticut schools that you referenced uh, on Monday's MK?
1: By the way, you you got you got off looking pretty naive to to the educational reputation of the state of Connecticut, both public and private. Just so you know, Luke. Okay, all right. Um. You'll.
0: I'll have to take your word for it. Because I mean, I may. I may have come from the army. Skeptical that Connecticut leads in anything education-wise.
1: Are you serious?
0: Yes, I'm dead serious. I'm very much serious. Yes.
1: Do you know Connecticut leads in? Is among the leaders in this country in in items like tax taxes, per capita income, education across the board. Now, if you took
0: out Greenwich, well, how much does that change?
1: Okay. Well, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's Greenwich County. It's basically, you know, it's, it's the gold coast. They, they keep us above water, but you know, there's some nice suburbs outside of Hartford too. I might even, you know, live it's funny. I actually,
0: uh, I asked my buddy from Trumbull. I was like, what's Avon like? And he, you know what he told me? He's like, your boy is uh, making bank. That's what he told me. Oh. That's what he said about <laughs> Avon. Is that true? <laughs>
1: Oh, I am in, I like to say, the only working class street in my town. The only neighborhood that's like teacher, plumber. Oh, that guy talks about fights for a living. But yes, this Bro, is Bro,
0: plumbers, a, I mean, you're working with your hands in that job, but they make good money. Plumbers make good money.
1: Don't sleep yeah, on this plumber is the, salaries. Shout out to the pipe doctor. He's dominating in this in these parts. Uh,
0: Onlypipes.com.
1: Look, yes, exactly. Uh, but, you know, educationally, this town, that's why I'm here, Luke. Okay, that's why I was willing to go bankrupt to live in this town if it, if it happened, because the school's- third best in the state luke okay so suck all right, on that all right one, very all right. good i mean I'm, i mean i mostly much. don't
0: know what the fuck i'm talking about but yeah. i just have an impression of connecticut being you know i mean from what i've seen of connecticut which is admittedly limited but from what i've seen nothing has been impressive other than don't Urban listen
1: Boy. to brazilian american legend joe hogan talking about uh uh connecticut luke okay he does he doesn't know what he's talking about indeed all right, all right. All right. uh we got a great show for you today i mentioned showtime and Saturday, this Saturday night, triple yes. header, Showtime Championship Boxing, 10 p.m. Eastern. You don't want to miss that. Sebastian Fundora in the main event will get to that. Carlos Ocampo across from him. If you want to watch this for free, why don't you take us up on this nice offer right now? Showtime.com, 30-day free offer. You already know that side. You get Bellator. You get boxing, movies, Bill Cosby documentaries, all that great stuff. But they got a little sweetener on top of it, Luke. Try the 30 days for free, and then the next three months after that, $3.99 per month. You can't, you really can't beat that right there. And in addition to what you're going to get Saturday night, 10 p.m. Eastern with the Showtime Championship Boxing Tripleheader, if you want more BC and Luke, we, on location, from the Morning Combat Studio in Jersey City this Saturday. We will be calling the prelims. It's the Showtime Championship Boxing Countdown Show. It's live on Showtime Sports YouTube channel, 7.30 p.m. Eastern, LTBC. We're going to call fights. We're going to have a good time. You're going to want to be there, okay? Check it out. Come come support us. Other ways you can support this show, if you're glaring at this t-shirt or the one Luke is wearing and wondering, how do I get that on my skin? you go to morningcombat.store right there, okay? We got coffee mugs. By the way, J, you know JP, JP, you know You know our guy, right?
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm,
1: His His wife just flew to Australia. As soon as she got off, she was wearing the MK shirt in front of very famous, you know, like that bridge in Sydney. I mean, the, look, this this these clothes travel, Luke, okay? They're world-renowned.
0: Yeah, I mean, I wanna see someone with the clothes. I mean, it doesn't have to be one person, but the more that people can take pictures with MK merch, near the seven wonders of the world. That would yes. be kind of impressive. Also, I have to say, BC, they've given us so much merch now that we've been doing the show for a few years. I think I have more merch from MK than actual non-MK merch at this point in my closet. Like, it's <laughs> it's just full, mostly MK merch.
1: I agree. I, in my dresser, I have a full merch drawer. It's gotten to that point. I do give away some of his gifts, Luke. My God, I, I gave some to my parents. My mom wears it every single day, Luke. She'll wear an MK can't, shirt. can't say that about my dad but you know he tries all right he tries, all right, he tries. thank you you can get our merch right there morning combat dot store we do actually have a real show for you today luke anything else you want to get into before we kick this thing um you got any great weekend plans besides hanging out with me no right yeah,
0: yeah just not- gonna see you tomorrow i am recording a dissected which i do think you guys are going to like or at least uh, find useful. I'll put it that way. Find useful. So I'm going to be recording that, and then BC and I will be doing the prelims. So be on the lookout. We still have a bunch of stuff coming your way. Um, that's it. That's it.
1: And if you have not caught up oh, on no, bonus-
0: Dude, Tuki doesn't know this. Tuki doesn't yeah. know this, ooh, but ooh, I'm ooh. taking her to Encanto and Frozen on Ice on oh, Sunday, bro. Oh, shit. Little, a little sorpresa for me, Nina.
1: What will be her reaction when she realizes what's happening? Will it be, aye, Poppy! Will it be something very, yeah. you know...
0: She's going to absolutely lose her shit. It's going to okay. be great. I'm going to record it. It's going to be awesome.
1: I, I'd even allow you guys to talk about Bruno during it because it's going to be such a special time. <laughs> uh, Luke, I wanted to say, if you only follow our three live shows and don't know what else we got going on, youtube.com slash morning combat. We got some of the best extras going in this business. Room Service Diaries interviews with Corey Anderson that you're going to want to see. Chuck Mindenhall. We've got sit-downs with Sebastian Fundora who'll be fighting on Saturday. Deontay Wilder. Luke and I caught up with him on Monday. He's back October 15th. Check out what we got going on there. Follow us on social. Like, vote, whatever else you got to do. You don't want to hear a long intro. Let's get into the show right here. Gaff Pierre on the ones and twos behind the scenes. Let's hit it. Topic number one. Slow weekend. Slow news cycle. But people won't stop talking about uber-prospect Bo Nickel, the former Penn State All-American wrestler, national champion, two-time winner on the Dana White Contender Series level. We know he now has a UFC contract. We know Jamie Pickett will be his debut early December, the final pay-per-view of the year in Las Vegas. But Luke, you get those same emails from every up-and-coming overseas betting site that's like, hey, check out the odds. What about Bo Nickel versus Hamzat? What about Bo Nickel versus Adesanya? We'll get to that growing sort of uh, conversation here, but Bo Nickel has been very active on Twitter, following up on his post-fight call-out two Tuesdays ago that he wants Hamzat or he wants Logan Paul, uh, two different sides of the spectrum there, But in regards to Hamzat Shemaev, let's set this stage. Here's Bo Nichols' tweet. I wanted to get your reaction here, Luke. He's saying there's levels to this game. Y'all, I realize Hamzat is one of the best fighters right now. That's why I have to fight him. I want to be the best in the world. That means I have to beat the best guys. This is fun for me. I'm born for this. That was in reaction to people being like, you know, what the hell are you doing? You you don't even have a official UFC fight, and now you're calling out the best. Luke, I want to get your reaction to how realistic is it, the idea of this guy actually fighting the best and fighting them soon? You've been very vocal on the show in saying, like, we could ruin this kid. This could be Sage Northcutt all over again if we throw him to the wolves. It feels like everybody wants to throw this guy to the wolves. Before you react, let's hear yesterday MMA Fighting's Damon Martin went public with this bold statement. I can't wait to hear Luke's reaction. Let's hear it. All right, technical difficulties there with the audio. We'll get to it in a second. Uh, Luke, that's more in the Adesanya direction. Let's open and stay right here in the actual Hamzat Chemaev mentioned. We talked earlier that there's this potential. Is he stuck in Russia? Is he not? You hear different sides of the ball. But early oddsmakers are basically putting Bo Nickel as a plus 330 underdog should this mythical fight ever happen. Hamzat opened at minus 400. He's now down to minus 300. Bo recently down to plus 250. I mean, is this just filler for a slow week? How, how good is Bo Nickel right now? How quickly should they actually match him? Because people are talking.
0: Well, he's got to fight Jamie Pickett, so we don't even have to worry. This is Whoa, I heard some audio in my ear there. Um, So he's going to fight Jamie Pickett, so I guess we'll see when, with the better test there. I do expect him to run over Jamie Pickett one way or the other, although we, we will find out. I, I do think it's worth backing up a step first, BC, and asking a very basic but really important question. Namely, in terms of collegiate wrestling credentials now that would obviously exclude anyone who didn't compete in the united states um, uh, in that space so you know well romero obviously did incredibly well on the freestyle circuit but we're talking about just collegiate wrestling which by the way is folk style It's, it's similar to but a little bit different than freestyle and I actually think it's a better transition point to mma than freestyle wrestling all things being what they are but here's what i would say who has the best pure collegiate wrestling credentials in UFC history. So among all UFC fighters who did the best in college, now it's somewhat debatable and there's no one clear answer, but for sure, for sure, Bo Nickel has a claim to that, right? Yeah. So there were 10, there were, excuse me, there were eight major tournaments. He competed in four national t- championships and then four, I think big 10 championships. He won three national titles, got silver one year. He <laughs> won three big 10 titles. He got bronze one year, right? So in every conference, or national tournament, he claimed a title. There are other fighters who have three titles. Mark Schultz has three national titles. Uh, Jake Roschalt has three national titles. Kevin Randleman had two, but then was ruled ineligible, so he potentially could have had one. There's a bunch that had two, Johnny Hendricks and so forth. Uh, but also Ben Askren had two, but only lost to the same guy I think twice, so he got silver two years and well, you know, a runner up or whatever. And, and then, you know
1: D- DC would have been a stud if it wasn't for Kale Sanderson and John Jones, right? I mean, let's that's be right. Fair. Well,
0: Kelsey, I mean, he also competed in an era where Cale Sanderson, who didn't lose a match in all of college, was in the same time that Daniel Cormier was there. He probably would have had a national title, maybe two as well, but he doesn't, so I can't count him in this conversation. But in terms of credentials in wrestling in the United States, Bo Nickel has a claim to being the very best out of college among UFC fighters. Again, it's a little bit debatable, but he's in that. Ve- I mean, there's uh, there's three names you could probably put on that list, and he's one of them, maybe four if you want to throw in Askren and, and do it there. And by the way, like, I, I was talking to Damon Martin about this. Bo Nickel didn't lose a match ever after his sophomore year. He went undefeated in his junior year. He went undefeated his senior year. I cannot explain to you how fucking insanely difficult that is to do. So, so that's is who we're talking decorated- about here
1: than Ed Ruth was, who's now with Bellator and, and having an up-and-down MMA run. He Was he similarly decorated to Nickelodeon. Ed Ruth, stage?
0: so I talked to a guy who covers collegiate wrestling for his job, and he told me Ed Ruth is one of the top 10 collegiate wrestlers of all time, okay. of all time. His record, he has, let's see, he has three national titles and then one. Uh, he got silver in one year. He has all four Big Ten championships. So every year he competed in the Big Ten championship, he won it. That would actually make him slightly better than Bo Nickel in terms of the overall resume. Now, but, there's the Hodge Trophy, which by the way, Ben Askren has two of them. Bo Nickel got one. Is uh, that the ben Heisman? Nickel, the Heisman uh, well, football. the Heisman would go to just football. But yes, it's considered to be the overall best wrestler independent weight class that year. right? So, yeah. uh, But Ben Askren got it twice. And Ben Askren was a prolific pinner as well, which is kind of hard to do. So again, it's somewhat debatable, but there's no denying if you had to make a list of the very, very few that could occupy that space, Bo Nickel is in it. That's the kind of talent we're talking about here. So that's the first thing I would say. The The second thing I would say is, I really want, do we have the, I would really love to react to- We have it.
1: Let's go to have it right now. Let, let's let's play Martin. the
0: Damon Martin clip if we can get that ready.
1: Right now, if if they put Bo Nickel, something weird happens. Alex Pereira gets injured and they say, you know what, Bo Nickel, you're getting a title shot against Israel Adesanya on November 11th. Bo Nickel beats Israel. Bo Nickel beats Israel Adesanya right now, right now. Bo Nickel beats Israel Adesanya. I think Shamiya a tougher fight because Shamiya actually has the wrestling. Bo Nickel, Bo Nickel beats Israel Adesanya right now. He out wrestles him. I, I'm right now. I pick him to beat him. I pick him to beat him.
0: So I'm going to assume that the audience could hear that. I could not. I
1: hope they could have. I couldn't. I hope they could have heard it there, uh, Luke. Here's the deal. Here's how I want to set it up to you. If anyone didn't hear it, David Martin just said right now he believes Bo Nickel would defeat Israel Adesanya in a in a UFC match. Okay, they did. Thank you, Gaff. Uh Luke, that is That's bold. Extreme. How do you react? Because this is different than saying, what if he fought Hamza? What would be the odds? No, you have a prominent major MMA reporter who's got a lot of weird stuff behind him, right? Shout out to Damon Martin right there. There's like masks. I mean, there's creatures and stuff. I mean, I got weird shit, too. He's okay? into.
0: he's big into nerd culture. He's got that yeah, site. It turns out.
1: But look, Damon Martin's respected. You hear that voice. You hear it all the time uh, interviewing fighters. He's now saying today, tomorrow, whenever you want to book it, Bo Nickel would become the next UFC middleweight champion. How do you respond? Because that's a that's a grenade, Luke. That's ridiculous.
0: All right. So here's what I'm going to say. I think ultimately I cannot agree with Damon Martin. I think it's a little too extreme for a couple of reasons. One, you just there's just no real basis to know that he hasn't beaten any established middleweight um, fighters to give you a clearer sense of where he actually is. He looks obviously amazing. Beating up the guys that he did, and his last opponent was a quality opponent. but He's a quality opponent within the regional MMA circuit. I think he will make it to the big show one way or the other. But you get the idea. We're not talking about someone who has a demonstrated ability to to, to you know overmatch proven, uh, established top tier talent in his uh, respective division. So that's the first part. I think the second part I would say is there is way too much unknown about Bo Nickel to have that kind of confidence. For example. We actually don't know what his cardio is going to look like, right? Wrestling, you know, he obviously did extremely well, but wrestling, you're going in these short, intense bursts. It's not much, the MMA fighting is a little bit more long-term. It's a little bit more, you have to have that cardio that lasts for long periods of time, especially if you have a very good resisting opponent. We don't know. We also don't know how he takes a shot. We don't know if he loses composure. We don't know if he's got a good ability to absorb damage. We don't know how much that rattles his... Uh, capacity for staying focused and, you know, when we talk about Nogera, composure under fire, we just don't have any answers to these questions. And so for that reason, it's simply way too early to say something like that. However, I understand the spirit a little bit of what Damon Martin is saying. I also believe that the kind of threat, again, we are sort of extrapolating here based on a very limited data set, but based on what we have in that limited data set, he seems to have some of the tools that are just all championship caliber ability. He does seem to have very good athleticism. He's got a ton of experience. You can see he's not rattled at all under those lights insofar as he's been exposed to them. His ability to show natural aptitude with jujitsu, which by by showing leg dexterity dexterity, and then using submissions so rapidly, dude, that's not automatic. That's like the fact that he got it that quickly is shocking. And then to see how effortless he looks with feints and fakes and distance management, and he's got decent punching power as well. He just seems to have the kind of makeup that screams fighting for a UFC title. Could he beat the very best guy in the division today? I seriously, in that sense, I have my doubts. Also, should be noted, we keep doing this. Everyone's like, oh, he would take Izzy down and maul him. Well, yeah, in a pure wrestling match, that's probably true. And maybe he could get Izzy down. But I just keep going back to this. Dude, Dude, the middleweight champion today has super underrated takedown defense i don't know how many times i need to say this the tape shows it the the statistics show it there are issues you might want to say flat on his back such as he is put there and of course you could say maybe nickel could do that the other part we talked about previously bc which i think you definitely agree with which is that maybe maybe nickel goes up there and does something impossible but if you get knocked out at that stage you risk fucking up a guy's development because you just didn't take the appropriate caution early so there's all kinds of reasons to say that I think Damon Martin's getting a little bit ahead of himself, but I do understand the spirit of enthusiasm around a very, very, very rare, frankly, historic kind of prospect in the sport.
1: Look, I'm normally the guy that leans into this. I'm the guy who, when you know, Hamza Shamiyev won those three fights in succession in 2020 before the the, the COVID uh, issues he had, and even after he came back, when he, who did he blow away Hamza when he came back? Was it uh, was it uh, the Leech?
0: Yes. Mm -hmm.
1: Even after that, you know, I'm the guy coming on here. Look, it's not traditional. It may damage him in the long run, but this guy's so overwhelming. Could you imagine him in a title shot right now? I said the same thing when um, Johnny Walker was blowing away, guys, in less than 30 seconds. And, oh, by the way, if he hadn't been stopped by Corey Anderson, we found out by interviewing Corey Anderson in Room Service Diaries that Walker was going to get the next chance at John Jones in that moment. So I'm normally the guy that is ready to entertain this, but we're talking about a guy who's had two 20-second fights, more or less. And now we're saying let's go to the five-round level against arguably the pound-for-pound king who is on his way to becoming one of the all-time greats. Like, that's disrespectful to the champion. That's disrespectful even to Bo on this rise. But, Luke, there is some level, some level of boxing comparison here. Do you remember the name Pete Rademacher? I don't know if you do, Luke, okay? He I can't won the- say that I do. He's an American who won the 1956 Olympic gold medal in heavyweight boxing. He made his pro debut in 1957. His pro debut against heavyweight champion Floyd Patterson. He lost... He didn't have much of a career after that. You look back on that as sort of this weird publicity stunt. We do remember Leon Spinks won the heavyweight gold in the Olympics. And in his, what, seventh fight, he upset Muhammad Ali to win the title. My point is there have been times in history when you break glass in case of emergency or, or not emergency, in case of excitement, because you got somebody that's so damn special. In the direction that I want to kind of say, okay, Damon Martin, are you being crazy? Well, look, BoNuchel is 27. He's not 19, right? This isn't 17-year-old Rosas Jr. on the Contender Series. And yes, as you pointed out, he has proven, boy, when the lights are the brightest, this guy delivers. This just feels like insanity. So, Luke, if you're leaning hard into the, okay, Damon Martin might be acting a little crazy, but what he's saying is not entirely crazy. If you're the UFC... What's the most aggressive move you think they're willing to make with Bo Nickel? Because it's, okay, you know, Jamie, it's a great Jamie Pickett question. is a nice introduction here, right? that's right. let's say that's a he great point. blows away Jamie Pickett in 35 seconds. What are we doing next? Is there a chance if Adesanya beats uh, Podeda that we're going with Bo Nickel Adesanya, or is that just no. ridiculous?
0: First of all, as long as Robert Whitaker is not champion and so let's just leave it at that. As long as he's not the champion, Nobody gets to a title th- without going through him, period, period. Like he is the ultimate proving ground. Just that's how it's going to be. Number one. The second thing I would say is let's answer your question because I think it's actually the very, the, the, the totally most appropriate question, which is what happens if he just blows the fucking doors off of Jamie Pickett, like what he, like he did before, you know, in less than a minute or a couple of minutes. And it's just, you know, 10, seven until the stoppage happens. That kind of a round. I think you have to give him someone inside the top 15. I do. I do. If you're running over guys like that, that easily and that quickly, you still need someone who can help you answer the question of, okay, but what happens if he gets pushed to the second round? What happens if he gets pushed to the third round? Here's another one. This sounds kind of crazy, but it shouldn't be. What if somebody actually can stop his takedowns? What if somebody rocks him? What if somebody hurts him? By the way, here's another thing too. What if he has a unique susceptibility to body shots? These are all things We just don't have answers to. And I know what folks say is, well, yeah, but if he's this good of an athlete and blah, 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 you don't have to worry about those questions. Let me explain something to you. Over the course of someone's career, they are audited. They are audited. Everyone has weaknesses. And until you have clear reason to know that A or B is not a particular weakness, but C or D might be, you have to take those potential threats and risks seriously, especially if they are only three fights in to their career. So what I think you have to do is you still have to slow play it, but you have to give him somebody ranked 13, 14, 15. I'll pull up the rankings here to see who that might be. But that's where my head is at. What about you, well, BC?
1: There's a different. So there's levels to rankings. Right now, Brad Tavares, who has a fight coming up against uh, RoboCop, Gregory Rodriguez, he's ranked number 15. If if Pickett gets blown away and they went like the Brad Tavares direction, you would think, okay, that that's... That's we're doing it slow, but we're, you know, but rapidly. There's levels, though, to the top 15. You got Tavares at 15, but then you got guys in the top 10, Luke, who are former title contenders and and, and killers. I mean, for example, Darren Till's got a fight coming up against Driscus Duplessis. Did I get that right, Luke? Dricus. Drickus. Drickus. Let's say Darren Till won that. I think he's already been tweeting about Bo. He's always tweeting about people. I mean, is Darren Till versus Bo Nickel and, you know, five months from now too much too soon? Because here, this is the ultimate question, Luke, because it's not about whether we believe. It's about Dana and to some degree ESPN and Disney. Because if you're going to fast track somebody like Leon Spinks did, like I kind of was pushing them to do Chemayev, there's huge excitement in what we don't know. If you did Adesanya versus Bo Nickel, the whole thing would be, We have no idea how great this guy is. We're going to find out against the very best. I mean, that's ridiculous in theory because how are you even going to prepare in practice? I know he's with ATT. I know Bo's been taking it slow to do it right and gain the skills he needs. How do you even prepare for an Israel Adesanya? You don't. But the intrigue is we don't know what the hell it's going to look like. Typically, entering a fight, we kind of know what it's going to look like. It's one of those rare things. Is Darren Till, the idea of a Darren Till-like opponent next, is that too far, too much, too soon? Dude, you
0: skipped you skipped over a much two two more actually a uh, several more interesting names. Chris Curtis would be an interesting name first of all. But before Darren Till in that if you're going 15 up, how about Andre Muniz? Right? We keep talking about, "Oh, he's got devastating wrestling. He can take whoever he wants down." Yeah, good luck taking him down. Find out what well, happens when you take Andre Muniz. Muniz on the ground has a nasty ground game and a very prolific guard on top of it. That is something missing? that would be very difficult
1: by mentioning Muniz or Curtis, both very good fighters, not, not here to disrespect them, is there's not a ton of sex factor to match with Bo because you'd be doing an experiment. You're basically taking a guy who's got no experience and throwing him to the wolves. Wouldn't you want to throw it to a wolf that, I mean, I mean, say what you will about Darren Till, the guy gets you to, to, to take notice of his fights. So are, are, there is a, a responsibility to the promoters if they're going to fast track him, and boy, does it seem like they are, to, to really make each step up a big event, Luke. Bo Nickel versus Muniz not not a big not a big event. Okay,
0: not but dude, event. Bo Nickel versus Jamie Pickett is not a big event. You no, know, that's but, not but what this is doing.
1: this is debut. This is day one. This is job one. Um, I don't know. Also, did you, not, did you not?
0: Did you? There's a grappling match. I think from I think it's a couple of years old. I'm not. I have to go back and look exactly when it happened. Gordon Ryan uh, had a grappling match again. Submission grappling, so not wrestling, against Bo Nickel. He triangled Bo Nickel quickly. You know, now of course that's Gordon Ryan. He's insanely good. I'm just sort of pointing out. I have seen, yeah. I have seen the predator bleed. You know, and this is my other point too, BC. It's like, dude, here's the reality about where Bo Nickel is. Again, everything he has shown has just been magic. We've never even seen him take a punch to the face. Yes. Right. Right. We've never even seen him take a punch to the face. Brad Tavares has very good takedown defense, and obviously, you know, prefers to slug it out. Trains with a good camp, highly experienced. Let's see how he looks against a guy like that before we make proclamations about how poor we think uh, Izzy's takedown defense is, you know?
1: Um, An obvious other comparison would be Vasily Lomachenko, who wanted to fight for a world title in his pro debut after winning two Olympic gold medals, fought in his second fight, lost a disputed decision to Orlando Salido, Uh, But it didn't break him, Luke. He came back and won a world title against Gary, um, unbeaten Gary Russell Jr. in the, in the next fight. So there are special guys where, look, there is a scenario Luke where you could do something crazy, like throw bull nickel to to Adesanya and he loses shows, shows well and and grows from it. There is that potential, but I don't know. I mean, this is, it's, I didn't expect the hype, even though he's been nothing short of dynamic, right? Nothing short of perfection, I did not expect the hype combination of people like Damon Martin making that bold of a claim on that type of platform, or even Bo himself being this aggressive and coming after Tremayev. I mean, I don't know if people look at, you know, some people will criticize us of suddenly downgrading Tremayev because of one time missing weight, but there's a lot of extenuating weird circumstances. Would it surprise you, Luke? Okay, Maybe, maybe we should shelf the Adesanya conversation for a second. How surprised would you be? If Hamzat Chimaev versus Bo Nickel was a pay-per-view UFC main event in the first six months of next year, ooh, because that that's it—that's a, a... an aggressive move. It's short of the title, but that's so, an aggressive damn move, right? Okay,
0: there. let's 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 punt one more month because July would be International Fight Week. So by July, International Fight Week, having a Nickel versus Chimaev <sighs> main event.
1: Well, that would be a co-main if you did it IFW week. You know it would be, Luke.
0: Not, I mean, not necessarily. There's all kinds of ways it could be. I, mean, I know what you're saying, but okay. Um, how surprised would I be? I'd be surprised. I'd be surprised. I put that at a at a fairly significant surprise factor. Wouldn't rule it out. I mean, that's unlikely. Listen to what I'm saying. It's unlikely, but... Because I mean, here's the other part, too. We talked about Ed Ruth. How good was Ed Ruth? Ed Ruth is, again, an exceptional wrestler in college. And he hasn't been exactly, you know, he's done well in MMA. Yeah, but he, he can't has not figure out a,
1: whether he should be a wrestler or a, or a striker, Luke. He can't figure it out, it seems.
0: Yeah, I mean, he lost to Grayson Neiman, or Neiman who's a good fighter, too, as well. Or Neiman Gracie. What am I saying? Uh, Neiman yeah, Gracie. Grayson
1: Neiman. Great Grace, guy. Gracie Neiman. The,
0: the department store. Yeah. Neiman's. Yeah. Uh, now Neiman Gracie. But the point I'm trying to make here is, he hasn't, I mean, if you thought, oh my God, it must be a corresponding thing. If you're that good in college, you will be this good in MMA. It's not necessarily a one-to-one thing. The only thing I would point out about Bo Nickel is the, 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 the sophistication of his development is happening so fast that that's what gives me confidence. Unbothered by the lights. He looks in certain ways like he's been doing this for a very long time. Solid fundamentals. But he's just untested against more dynamic, resisting opponents. And so for that reason, you just have to you know slow the roll a little bit. But like, you know, I'll say this. Here's, a, here's another question for you, BC. Let's, let me spin it back. How likely is it Bo Nickel could fight for a title at some point in 2023?
1: Well, you know what might add to that, Luke? is, look, I've been on here saying all along that if Adesanya beats uh, uh, Pereira, excuse me, Padata, you know, Alex Padata from Glory Kickboxing, if he beats him at a NYC MSG, you know, I don't see him waiting around because, in my opinion, is Hamzat a real middleweight? I still feel like we don't know that. You know, is Hamzat still going after the welterweight title? I still feel like we don't know that. I did not see an immediate another person who deserves it, who's knocking on that door. He beat Whitaker twice, whether I agree with the judges or not, right? I think... That the move for Adasanya, if he wins this, or even to some degree if he loses it without the need for an immediate rematch, is to go to 205. But could Luke this this changes this question you asked. If Chemaev ends up being a career middleweight after this, and if Bo Nickel blows through Pickett in December, which would mean they can bring him back quickly because they're, you know, you know, didn't accrue damage. And then let's say in like, you know, March. Goes in there against a Brad Tavares, a Curtis. I mean, even a Darren Till to be fair, and 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 wins. Forget about thirty seconds, but wins. Dude, the hype may be high enough where you might not be able to leave him out of the title picture. So under my Correct. scenario of Adesanya, let's say he beats Pedra and then goes to two hundred five. Now you've got a you now you got the opportunity for a vacant title, Luke. And in my opinion, Robert Whitaker has claimed the other half of that vacant title shot but who who does he fight? I mean, it's going to get really interesting, but what would fuel it getting crazy interesting is whether ESPN, Dana, Disney, whoever's calling shots here in the larger picture, do they look at Bo Nickel as the same marketing force that, that Hamzat became at the recent peak of his hype? Do you look at Bo Nickel, Luke, as the type of person, I mean, look, let's be fair. We kind of laughed when Brendan Schaub called him the Great White Hope. It's not really applicable, but maybe the maybe <laughs> also the...
0: not not a, not really a compliment. That's the other part. Yeah, that.
1: but but is he trying to say that you know you've got this like Middle America cool looking white guy with the with the red hair and and I mean, is that a guy that you think if he keeps blowing people away is going to have Hamzat level hype in six months? What yes. do you think?
0: Yes. 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 So. People forget this. I got asked this question on my live chat maybe a few weeks ago, and the, there was a point I was trying to make about like you know what kind of athlete the UFC wants to favor and present to the public. Folks may forget this. Post-Ultimate Fighter, the UFC, and understandably, I don't say this in a pejorative way whatsoever. You can understand from a marketing angle why you would want to do this. They made a really strong effort to kind of distance themselves from the more aggressive, potentially unsavory elements around let's say mma more generally cage fighting is what it was called at the time anyway um so in other words they would promote the fact that rich franklin was a math teacher before he got into mma that chuck liddell might have the mohawk but he has an accounting degree and they really promoted saint pierre a lot why saint pierre was not wearing t-shirts and jeans depressors he was wearing suits he presented himself as the kind of athlete that you would more accustomed to be seeing in the kind of buttoned up quite literally polished other more professional sports and they really needed a guy like that at that time Saint Pierre wasn't just very good for the area that era era that he competed in he was the kind of prototype that the UFC needed to give as a public facing fighter that they could trot out and the public could be like oh these guys aren't all complete savage and deranged and whatever else and and of course the truth is obviously more complex than that now we're in a somewhat different era in fact you know What I would say is the UFC will 100%, no doubt about it, they will use the fact that this guy went to Penn State and did really well there. But, you know, people kind of respond to the story of college athletes with a little bit more sympathy than they would even sometimes the hard scrabble stories of guys from the street, whether that's fair or not. It's an easy sell to the public, and the fact that he achieved at such a high level makes that even easier. Plus, you got to remember, if you're Bo Nickel, you've been talking to cameras. By the way, he won three state titles in high school as well. He's been talking to cameras for a long time. He's been, microphones have been in his face for a long time. He's very at ease with it. So what I would say is he's got a lot of the ingredients that are in place to make that work. The only missing piece was that, remember, Rhonda, for example, could talk it up a little bit. She had a bit of a big mouth, kind of an edgy sort of competitor's mentality to her. You've seen flashes of that with Bo. I think you'd have to dial that up a little bit, but yeah. assuming he could do that... Could he be a big star in the UFC? I mean, again, where, where winning is the uh, common denominator. Yeah, dude, I think he really, really could be. Yes.
1: What was his Olympic outcome, Luke? I, I you, you, you name the credentials. So he
0: earlier. wrestled. He wrestled for a world team and didn't make it. Now he got beaten by David Taylor. David Taylor also wrestled at Penn State. I think the match was competitive. I'd have to go back and double check. But David Taylor is an Olympic and world champion. Like we're talking about, like for example, when when I covered wrestling more closely, which was about ten years ago. Here at American University, I saw the very first matchup in college between Kyle Dake and David Taylor. They were considered to be the two powerhouses. Penn State and Cornell were the two colleges that they represented. They, they wrestled at an NWCA event here um, in Washington, D.C., and I went and watched it. It was a big, big deal. That was kind of the era that came up, and now Dake ended up being a little bit better, better than Taylor kind of overall and certainly during that era, but Taylor took off on the freestyle uh, circuit eventually, and you, know, you can look at the success he's had since then. So he wasn't able to get past – truly one of the best wrestlers in american history okay no big deal there uh, but i think i don't know if his heart was in it or he just always had his sights on mma i don't i don't know exactly what what derailed him there but it's better for us cuz he looks like he's a fucking monster
1: all right i wanted to get that cleared because i think you're right on your you know sort of comparison there that it's kind of what an ESPN Disney would be looking for, you know, this clean-cut-looking mm-hmm. American hero that can come from the royalty of, of, you know, amateur wrestling at the highest level and make that transition and clean up cage fight in a little. But, Luke, isn't there potential royalty wearing a larger crown than even the one Bo Nickel brought into MMA? And that name is Gable Stevenson, fresh off Steve- of— Steveson. Steve, well, Stevenson. I mean, it's the same thing as Steveson, Luke. I mean, it's really the same thing. How am I pronouncing it wrong?
0: I don't think it's. I don't think there's an extra syllable. I think it's just Stevenson, not right. Steve. Either
1: way, we know that Gable is was finishing out his. Final year with uh, Minnesota on the amateur level after signing the deal with WWE. There was news yesterday from Mike Coppinger of ESPN that Gable is back training full-time at the WWE Performance Center in Orlando after undergoing uh, surgery for a rare heart condition. He had an ablation last month, and now he's 100% healthy and pushing the main roster there. Luke, part of Gable signing with WWE, did leave the door open you know, of like maybe one day coming over to MMA and you'd have to believe if he did it would be something big. Is that the only guy who could be in this bone nickel spot with with more with with you know and even with even bigger clout in in in, yeah. in resume?
0: For for several reasons. One, Gable Steven is a showman already, right? So you've already seen flashes of like his swag that he shows and he's good on the microphone and he likes to show up for the cameras he does you know flips and everything on the mat so he's already got that a little bit more natural too he doesn't quite have the same resume as Bo he has two national titles but in the freestyle circuit he's got a gold medal in the Pan American games and obviously he got a gold medal in fucking Tokyo at the Olympic One second
1: with one second left I know
0: just an unbelievable turn of events that this guy has had so that's two factors the third factor would be he's at heavyweight which is a much You know, middleweight is not your toughest division, but heavyweight, definitely, if you're a dynamic athlete in the sort of way that Gable Stevenson is, he should have, you know, again, we'll see, but he should have a lot of success in that department. So there's a lot of wind at the back, so to speak, of Stevenson that. I think Bo Nickel has a lot of that too, maybe not quite as much, but you know, we'll have to see how things go.
1: Yeah, Bo Nickel seemingly though far way farther ahead in terms of his MMA development. I mean, look, I'm not gonna dis you know, take away what he's done so far in the very short sample size. He's been dynamic. I, I gotta say slow your roll on the Damon Martin level, even though I respect the aggressive call out, but you know, the proof, Luke, ultimately it'll be it'll be in the Putin. You know that, Luke. Okay. You know it that. will
0: be in the Putin.
1: Floyd was right. It always is. You know, Bill Cosby used to tout putting a lot, putting pops, Luke. uh, Yeah, all right. Uh, Let's go to topic number two, Luke. It's our weekend boxing preview, although it's kind of falling apart. What we do know will happen is Saturday night, 10 p.m. Eastern, a Showtime Championship Boxing triple header. Carson, California is the backdrop. Why does that matter? Because you can call it Dignity Health Sports Park. You can call it the Home Depot Center, StubHub. The war grounds, the punch bowl, the den of sin. Um, You can call it the old whorehouse, Luke, down by the river. Uh, They bang inside this ring here. And Sebastian Fundora, unbeaten, will defend his interim WBC junior middleweight title 154 against a red-hot rising Carlos Ocampo. Uh, Luke, let's start right here. It's a triple header. You and I will be calling the undercard seven thirty p.m. Eastern on YouTube, but let's stay with the main event. If somebody said, "Who the hell is Sebastian Fundora?" How would you describe it to non-boxing fans?
0: A nerdy praying mantis, <laughs> <laughs> guys. He's six foot six. He has a seven. Inch? Let's go. What am I saying? Seven-inch reach advantage. No, 80. he has a seven, seven. I said seven-inch reach advantage. I don't know what the reach advantage is here with Ocampo. He has a longer reach
1: a, than George Foreman.
0: Luke, seven-foot reach. Seven feet. He's got on his reach. You can't believe this guy. And He fights basically at the more or less at the equivalent of MMA's lightweight division, right? So just imagine that. You got a six-foot-six guy in there, and I've seen like you know, remember uh, the late Corey Hill. I think was uh, six-four, which is you know pretty tall still bigger than that a giant frame and that's not even the craziest part the craziest part is that he likes to fight on the inside yeah that's the craziest part he he can use his reach at times certainly that's a thing that he'll do in certain ways but not really that's not really the way he fights once the fight gets going and you might say well that you know once he runs into someone really really good it's all going to come apart folks he just fought Erickson Lubin who I BC thought was going to win I thought Erickson Lubin was going to win, and Ocampo, excuse me, not Ocampo, Fundora blew up his face. They had to stop the fight after what round? Seventh or eighth round? I can't remember yeah, anymore. they
1: both got knocked down, too. It was It's a fight of the year contender without question.
0: So he has an exciting style that doesn't match his body type, and his body type doesn't match the weight class at all, and it's all action <laughs> beginning to end. And he's kind of like Mikey Musumechi, like He's kind of a nerd dude as well in his private life. You just can't believe that this guy fights the way he does and looks the way he does. But he does. And here's the last kicker, BC. He's undefeated. He's yeah. undefeated. Unbelievable. This should be fun.
1: He's got one draw against Jamonte Clark, who at one point was a rising prospect in the U.S. amateur scene. He has passed every single test outboxing Sergio Garcia. And obviously this Erickson-Lubin fight in April. So to be fair, Luke, let's be fair about what we thought about Fundora. He's an oddity. He's an attraction. But you look at how, I mean, he's got legs as skinny as mine, Luke. We've always said the first time he fights a puncher, he's going to get folded. That puncher was Ericsson Lubin. Fundora did take a knee at one point from accumulated damage. But what we learned in this fight, which which gave him a, you know, a title shot, basically. We'll get to that in a second. We learned that he's actually the real deal. He's got a backbone, a chin. He can stand and trade. He's got the type of power to finish you. This became a brutal fight and like his all-action brawl win over Jorge Cota a few years ago, he was the last man standing. So what do we do now? we got to take him seriously as a legit junior middleweight title contender. The overall title picture at the moment, of course, is Jermell Charlo has all four world titles. He knocked out Brian Castaño in their rematch. There's rumors that Charlo is headed in the direction of Tim Zhu for his title defense around January. Nothing official as of now. Fundora, mm-hmm. i got to give him credit. He's got a, sh- a mandatory shot at the belt yet wants to defend this interim title and stay busy. They gave him Carlos Ocampo. Uh, we'll get to him in a second, but I had a chance to catch up with Sebastian Fondora and right away, I'm like, look, you showed us something in this Erickson-Lubin fight that, that we didn't think was in there. Let's get his mm-hmm. reaction.
2: I think so. I was enjoying every single round. You know, that was a great fight. I, I'm pretty sure I, uh, I felt as if I was a fan from watching outside, inside the ring. So, you know, I enjoyed the fight a lot i knew it was going to be a good fight and uh i'm glad that the fans enjoyed it
1: you know when you look back at what lubin brought to the table he was able to hurt you how close do you think you were to being in some serious
2: trouble in that fight um serious trouble no i don't think so i i took that knee i was like you know what i feel like i don't have to get hit like that again let's be smart let's take that knee and i came back up i felt like i was talking to my father about that yesterday actually too and and if anything, I just needed that little breather. I needed that little breather. I got back up, and I finished the job.
1: I mean, it looks like your paper boy, Luke. He took, he took the Kodo knee, huh? He took the Kodo yeah, knee? He, effectively this time, yeah, yeah. He actually used it to his advantage right there. Yeah,
0: uh, dude, so- he doesn't, it, like, everything about him doesn't make sense. And yeah. yet, and yet, as I mentioned, undefeated. At, and, and there's the other part, too. I want to be clear. You saw the highlights there. Not every fight looks exactly like that, but you see basically the way he fights. This dude doesn't run. He doesn't run. He fights. He, BC, he, I would say he fights tall a little bit because he's very good at, you know, uh, going for, for example, uppercuts. You saw in Lubin there. So he's good about leveraging his height in that way. But in general, like nothing about the way he looks in the weight class uh, uh, tells you anything about his fight
1: style. You just got to watch it on tape and see for yourself. Well, Luke, I asked him the obvious question we're all thinking. I mean, not only does he dunk, does he windmill dunk? I mean, is he going through the legs? Luke, he was like, (laughs) uh, not only do I not dunk, I can't even dribble a basketball. I've tried, I think he tried to play hoops in school and it just wasn't working out. Why? Because. Born in Florida, largely raised in the Coachella Valley of California, his father had one pro fight and was an ex-boxer and Luke he he raised all six of their kids in that boxing gym more or less. His older brother was a 12 and 0 fighter who who retired 5 years ago. His younger sister Gabriella is 8-0 oh after turning pro last year, I believe. And Luke, she'll be on the, the, the three-fight card that you and I are calling, 7.30 p.m. Eastern on the prelims on Saturday. Uh, it's a fighting family, and I know what you're saying. Hey, with that length, with that size, why the hell are you not jabbing from the outside? Luke, let's go to the final bit of sound we have on him. Uh, I asked him basically that same thing, and this is who he is. This is what he
2: does. Um... No, not really, actually. In amateur, I remember boxing a lot more. But um, as these guys got stronger, I I needed to get stronger. I needed to get better on my inside game because as as they got stronger, they would be able to walk me, walk inside a little bit easier. So uh, I just figured instead of running away from that, let's invite it. Let's learn the game of the inside game and uh, let's get better at it. And that's what I did. Uh, You'll be headlining
1: So there it is, Luke. And if you're saying, look, what do we got here? A showcase fight? to stay busy for a next title shot? Um, Here's the deal on Carlos Ocampo from Mexico. 2018, he had a mandatory shot at Errol Spence's welterweight title. Yeah, didn't go went, his way. They went to the Cowboys training facility. It was, you know, Jerry Jones was there. It was this big showcase for local boy Spence. And dude, he punched a hole in Ocampo. He stopped him to the body in round one. Luke, I don't think any of us have been following Ocampo's story since then in 2018, but you know what he's done? He moved up to the 154-pound division after the loss, and he's 12-0 with nine KOs since that fight. Has he beaten world beaters? Not necessarily, but he's beaten the right guys to climb the rankings and get into this position. I think at the end of the day, as Fandora told me himself, you got two Mexican fighters in here. You're doing it at the damn wargrounds. whoever comes out on top, I feel like we're going to see action. I feel like we're going to see a war on Saturday. So I'm fired up about this.
0: Yeah, this one's, I mean, listen, you know, I I suspect Fundora should win and I suspect he'll win. I'll say inside the distance. I'll say inside the distance. I I believe that, but there's just no way by round two, they're not absolutely slugging it out right in front of each other. That is really what you're going to get here. So it should be a ton of fun.
1: 10 p.m. Eastern. The reminder: triple header, Showtime Championship Boxing. You can get the Showtime 30 free days as we talked about. But don't forget to check out LTBC 7:30 p.m. on the Showtime Sports YouTube channel. It's the Countdown Show. We got three fights and just a little teaser here. As I mentioned, Gabriella Fundora, Sebastian's younger sister, is in the opening bout, and in the featured bout, Luke Mean Machine is back. Uh, let me get this right, because he's my Lithuanian bre- brethren. Edis. Kavialauskas. and if you forgot that name just a couple years back he fought terrence crawford for the welterweight title dropped crawford before being stopped himself late so uh you know we're gonna have fun luke on saturday you and i right we'll do this i can't
0: tell from the graphic because my picture is not clear but it looks like ocampo has the lloyd christmas haircut is that true
1: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> so so uh kick his ass seabass just the same all right kick his ass seabass um Luke, the other bit of boxing was supposed to go down Saturday in London. DAZN sold out. This is a big deal in the UK. It was Chris Eubank Jr. versus Conor Ben. It was supposed to be a 157-pound unique catchweight bout. Bad blood. Both of their fathers, of course, Chris Eubank Sr., Nigel Ben famously fought twice. It's a massive deal in the UK until Conor Ben failed a drug test. But it was for a female, what, uh, hormonal thing luke that 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 steroid
0: clomiphene clomiphene yeah
1: so here's the deal on this um we talked about this the other day both promoters frank warren on one side eddie hearn on the other for connor ben tried to push the fight through you heard a lot of people saying boy is that hypocritical because there's video out there of eddie hearn just i think two years ago criticizing the opposite promoter in a fight for the same thing saying Why do we have drug tests if we fail them and we act like it doesn't matter? But in this case, Luke, do you give any credence in the argument of Eddie Hearn? Ben was caught on a VADA test that both fighters pushed for to be part of this build and they paid for, I think, on their own. The official testing for the fight, though, was done under typical British Board of Control and both fighters passed those tests, Mm -hmm. even though it seems Ben has failed both samples in the VADA test. Uh, isn't Vada known as being the most reputable? How do you have a stance here if you're already Hearn and company?
0: Uh, well, so here's one thing you have to understand. I mean, there might be a legal argument that Hearn could make that I, I realize he has abandoned the efforts, uh, but there is a legal argument he could make about like to what extent any finding in Vada is binding ultimately in terms of derailing the fight or what the contracts might say or something like that. In other words, they did this test, but without the kind of backing of any kind of regulatory authority, it's unclear about what it's supposed to mean. And that clip you're talking about, I think you referenced it. That was when Oscar Valdez had the issue. And that of course Valdez works for a rival promoter. And so Eddie Hearn had a very different um, tune. One one thing I would just say about this, and I know folks are going to, I will say what they'll say, but you have to understand something. There is a natural and inherent source of friction. In fact, in many ways, diametrically opposed between what the rights of athletes are and what anti-doping demands. They are, they are inherently in conflict because total anti-doping um, as the way in which the zealots who love it prescribe it would require, for example, among many other things, it would require near total invasion of privacy of the athlete, right? So if you actually say, I care about the rights of athletes and I care about making sure that they have protections, you are automatically saying on some level, that means we have to taper back an idealized version of what anti-doping is, right? If someone actually has contractual rights, if they have legal rights and they are entitled to due process and all of these things, that naturally is going to get in the way of what anti-doping does. People who love anti-doping will tell you that's not true. It is categorically true. It is matter-of-factly true. It's why, for example... Folks bemoan in certain cases that the NFL, let's say, doesn't have super strong anti-doping. But the reason why is because they have a union. Those players are actually employees of the team. They have a union. And that union puts rules into effect that protects their rights and interests. That naturally makes whatever they can do in anti-doping somewhat less. So at some point, you just have to reconcile the reality that you cannot have an athlete who has um, you know full representation of their rights and interests and also have the kind of anti-doping that everyone who thinks anti-doping is great prescribes. There will always be a trade-off there as a consequence. So we will see what the long-term effect of this is and to what extent Conor Ben can find some kind of legal avenue to extricate yeah. himself from this mess. But I would just say, always keep in mind, they are at odds. They they don't necessarily work in conjunction.
1: Uh, it's I'm, I'm kind of happy in a weird way that it's not going off because there were a lot of issues tied to this battle. I mean, look, on the surface... It's creative matchmaking given their backstory, but Conor Ben is a welterweight who's be moving up to not only 54, but up to the 57 catchweight. And Chris Eubank Jr. has had his greatest success, you can argue, at super middleweight, although he's been at middleweight the last few fights. He would have to come down to 157. His dad, Chris Eubank Sr., has been just as open in the media the last few weeks saying, I don't think my son should do this fight. Cutting down in weight, it's going to take too much out of him. I think even on the Ben side, there was some, you know, is this fight going to fall apart? So, I don't want to see it go on after a failed drug test. I mean, the Oscar Valdez situation you reminded me of is ridiculous. Heck, Eric Morales, I always reference it, failing that USADA test and then everybody going, we don't care, and he fought, uh, you know, Danny Garcia. Anyway, it was on Showtime, by the way, in 2012, but that didn't even smell great to me in that moment. This felt like another total that's boxing type of story this week. Like, oh, yeah, he outright failed a VADA test, no less, but we're going to do it anyway. That's boxing. You know what? Sometimes, Luke, you got to look your your favorite in the face and say F-boxing, right?
0: Yeah, no, Can't not really. I wouldn't say F-boxing. I, I do want to make one larger point here that I, I think is worth articulating, and then that's all I really have to say on it, which is um, I saw people saying Connor Ben is the only one responsible here. Like, he is the sole um, responsible party in this entire mess. And that just seems to me totally ludicrous, right? Look. Look. Connor Ben is the one that failed the drug test. and so for that reason, he bears what I would call you know unique responsibility, right? He is he certainly occupies a space very much unlike everyone else. But you must look the sport in the face here for just a second. The larger permission structure by which this guy operates, where he can fail a test and the fans were not going to boycott, the for example, the advertisers were not going to pull out, the TV networks were not going to not air it. Um, you know, the the, the live gate attendants, they were absolutely going to show up. The opponent was going to show up. The promoter didn't care, which you must realize is that, yes, Ben bears some responsibility unlike all the other parties here, but he is working inside of a permission structure that absolutely not merely accepts what he does, but incentivizes it. The idea that he is the only party responsible for the mess just is a totally disingenuous way of assessing how the sport actually views what Connor Ben did and what to think about it. They give, if not outright support, certainly actually they, they did that. But even when the cases where they didn't say anything, like for example, the broadcasters that are locally in, in the United Kingdom, they didn't pull out from the fight after he, he, he botched the weight or not the weight, excuse me, the, uh, the drug test, they give tacit permission. There's this this entire permission structure in boxing that not only accepts it, but promotes it. And I just want to be very clear here. You can be especially mad at Conor Ben for what he did because if you agree to a certain set of rules, you must obey them. But the idea that he is solely responsible for this entire mess is a fucking joke and it's completely dishonest in the way in which sport actually
1: operates. I got to kind of say that Although I've, I've, I'm i starting to get influenced by you to the idea of just F it. I remember when Nigel Collins, you know you know him, the Hall of Fame boxing writer, Luke? I yes, used to edit his... I
0: follow him on Twitter. He's still kind of Great active, God. right?
1: I mean, a an le- absolute legend. Uh, I, you know, I, I got to edit some of his pieces when I worked at ESPN. and It was a joy. He's such a brilliant and talented guy. You know, he had come out with that column, I don't know, six, seven years ago of, you know what? This is a dog and pony show. Just let them take and fight. And I know sometimes you've said that. And Luke, I'll say in general. I I'm not gonna be naive. I believe every you know more more than not are using. I believe all of our heroes are in some degree to stay safe in some ways, knowing that their opponents are and also to keep that competitive advantage. Um, but if you're going to do the the dog and Pony show of testing whether it is a dog and pony show or it's absolutely legit, and there's always reasons to question that in the end. If you get caught, you get caught. You know the fight's off. That's what it is, Luke. Those are the—that's the structure and rules you agreed to. So I think it's—it's it's either all or nothing. Either we say, "F it, we can't catch these people, take whatever you want," or we have drug tests, and if you fail them, dude, the fight's off. That's just what it is, Luke. Am I wrong?
0: I—I'll agree with the basic premise that if you agree to a certain rule set, right, you are required to obey by it. That, that's, that's, you can't have sport if there's just no basic adherence to these foundational principles of whatever was in the contract. You must do that. You must do that. Okay. But I also basically believe that in sport worldwide, we have decided that there is no role for drugs um, other than either medicinally in limited circumstances, but for, for performance enhancing drugs, the only answer is prohibition. And I just believe that's a not merely a backfiring position and an untenable one. It's not even the one that people really want, and it's not even a one that necessarily makes sport better at all. The idea that only, only prohibition is the place where performance dancing drugs to me matter-of-factly seems quite ridiculous since we already have certain sports where they don't test, and they're fucking awesome. And this larger idea that they are a cancer on the sport to be rid of, um, I think you end up doing... Significantly more harm than you do any kind of good. So that's where I stand.
1: Very fair take. Let's go to topic number three, and that is quick hitters. Luke, we want to get your takes on everything that's hit the news cycle of note. And let's start with a couple retirement bounce set. We always talk about UFC legends don't always get that official send off, let's love you on the way out. Well, how about 40 year old former lightweight champion Frankie Edgar? According to Brett Okamoto of ESPN's reporting through sources, Frankie Edgar has booked his final fight of his great career, and that'll go down November 12th, Madison Square Garden, UFC 281, basically in his backyard there outside of Tom's River, New Jersey. And Chris Gutierrez, the opponent. Luke, your thoughts?
0: Uh, tough fight. Tough fight for old uh, Frankie. Um, here's my only thing. It's a great fight for, for, uh, for Gutierrez, who hasn't lost since 2018, Uh, when he was on the Ultimate Fighter finale. Since then, he's done nothing but win. And I think his last fight, he, two last fights, well, he had a decision, or a split decision two fights ago, but in his last one, certainly he looked pretty good against uh, Batgirl Dana. Um, This is my question to you, BC. Yeah. And I don't know the answer to it, but I'm just wondering out loud, why couldn't they have done Frankie Edgar versus Dominic Cruz? I agree. I agree. Like, I don't, like, this is, a, to me, this is, like, it'd be great, obviously, for Frankie Edgar to, to get a win at Madison Square Garden in his final fight. Like, that's, that's a great thing. That's no small feat against a very difficult opponent. But who has more to win here? <laughs> Fucking Chris Gutierrez. And I haven't seen the odds yet, but, dude, Chris Gutierrez, if you haven't been paying attention, is very good. He's a very good fighter, a heavy leg kicker on top of it. Like, I don't know about this one, man. This is a tough fight for old Frankie. And not only could he take an L in his last fight, he could have taken, like, it'd be one thing if he took an L against Dominic Cruz. He'd be like, all right, well, two legends going after it. It, You know, it is what it is. You know, great career, Frankie. Thank you for everything. And we will say, great career, Frankie. Thank you for everything, no matter what. But he might end up getting, like, a really tough fight where he just looks not that great on the way out against somebody that a lot of people don't know. So I know what you're saying. If you're the UFC, you're like, right, but that's what we want to do. We want to transfer... Whatever Frankie has left in terms of star power and blah blah blah, and use it to blow up Chris Gutierrez. I get it, but if you're Frankie, it's like, dude, it's not, it's not, it's not much to win in terms of uh, all the factors he's up against.
1: Absolutely, uh, he turned pro in 2005. I mentioned he's 40 years old, but he has lost five of his last seven, four by stoppage. But the names, Luke, I mean, we're talking about Ortega, Holloway, TKZ, Sandhagen, Marlon Vera. Always matches tough. Love me some Frankie. Isn't our producer Mikey, aren't there like grandmother's friends or something? There's some weird thing. And any, anybody
0: who's got any connection to New Jersey, like anytime they find out what I do for a living, they're like, dude, do you know Frankie Edgar? I fucking <laughs> love Frankie Edgar. Like Jersey ride. I mean, is it hard possible to hard for not Frankie like Frankie Edgar?
1: Seriously. Is it possible to not like Frankie Edgar?
0: No, it's not. It's impossible okay. to dislike him. I merely mean that, like, you know, you would think if a PC would, okay. If this were boxing, and it's not, and it's not, and this were a retirement fight, would this fight have been made? It wouldn't have been made, right?
1: I don't like, know. what was
0: B-Hop's last fight? I cannot remember anymore. Uh, who Joe retired Smith him? Jr., Joe who Smith. went on
1: to win a world title, sent him through the ropes and out of the ring. That's yeah. right.
0: That was kind of sad. All right. Yeah. Uh, and Mayweather's last professional contest was what, Berto?
1: No, Conor McGregor, technically. Okay, but you see what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. A bit of a soft landing, so to speak. Um, Pacquiao fought Ugas, and I believe he's coming back. We know that, Luke. Uh, yeah. Boxing but that was gold. short no- But
0: see, that was short notice. That wasn't the fight that they had booked. Initially. Yeah, he's going to fight
1: Spence. Good Lord. Yeah, he, he always matches hard. Uh, Luke, the other retirement bout, I think, uh, tell me if I'm wrong here, but how about Mauricio Shogun Hua? He yeah. turned pro in 2002, made his debut with the UFC in 2007. And at UFC 283, it looks like he's going to be in Brazil. I think that's January of next year. The opponent is, uh, how do you pronounce this, Luke? Ihor... He's, from, he's from
0: Ukraine. So it's Ihor Potieria. Potieria?
1: Okay. Okay. Uh, he won Potieria? His
0: con- Potieria? I don't know. I don't know.
1: Potieria is 18 and 3 overall. He won a contender series about last September to get into the UFC, lost his debut against. Nikolai Nagamurianu? Yeah. It's close. It's close, Luke. It was close. Um, What do you think about this for Shogun? At least it's in his home country. I mean, it's kind of like Frankie going going back to MSG, right? I don't hate it, but...
0: Dude, the I amount mean, of... The am- I'm, just, I, you know, I'm not a doctor, and take that for what it is worth, but to me, the amount of brain trauma that Shogun has suffered... He should have retired 10 years ago. 10 okay, would this
1: ago, have been retired. better if they did... Shogun Machida three for the retirement for both.
0: Which there were rumors. There were rumors that Lyoto was splitting with Bellator to get a third fight with Shogun and put it in Brazil. I would have much preferred that. Uh, Old guy versus old guy. I would have much preferred that. I mean, just to be clear, he made his debut in uh, 2002. Folks, that is when I graduated college. Look at me. Look at how life has beaten the ever-living fuck out of me. That's how long he's been fist fighting for a professional living. Like
1: but not just that. Dude, he's been in wars, even in the last five years. Anytime he wins, he gets his ass kicked leading up to the win. You know, like this is what happens.
0: And, and and you know he had you know, you're at, folks. I'll be asking who had the best ever tournament run in MMA history. Probably Shogun Hua through the 2005 Pride Middleweight Tournament. He was a he was just undeniable in that uh, moving through there. I mean he was just a complete force of nature. So he's obviously done incredible things. He will go into the Hall of Fame. I, I have no doubt about it. But this has been long overdue. The shitty part is. I think this is a winnable fight for him, but it may not be because obviously his durability is completely compromised at this point. So you're right. It's in his home country. So that's nice. But I just feel like I don't listen. We get up here and we criticize the UFC all the time. And um, I do think there are better fights to potentially be booked. I don't know that this was the best fight that could have been booked. Maybe they tried other ones. You talk to matchmakers privately and they tell you like, yeah, we tried X, Y, Z. And everyone said no. We just ended up here because this is the best we could do with all the time constraints. And I believe that. I just feel like the UFC hasn't figured out how to say goodbye to their aging legends all that well yet. It's just yeah. not so easy. They could make better calls, but it's 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 very difficult um, when you actually really think about it.
1: Yeah, they should improve their relationship with former heavyweight Brendan Schaub too. A lot of back and forth, Luke. I don't like it. All right, what are we doing here? Is this the sh- we're doing like the Schaub Hour now? Uh, Wow. Wow. Okay. Sorry. Former co-worker. Uh, Luke, let's continue down the news rabbit hole. Justin Gaethje was a guest on uh, MMA fighting. And here's what he said about Conor McGregor, quote, in in regards to the suspected PED use from Conor's jacked up videos. And of course, the news story we talked about from Aaron Bronstetter's research that Conor has not been tested in over a year. The quote is, I mean, who knows if everybody would just remember correctly, I fought Cowboy, beat Cowboy. And then he fought Cowboy right after that. I was primed and ready to go. It sounds to me like he's off taking steroids right now. Hasn't been drug tested by USADA in quite some time. I'm looking for fair competition. If he's on steroids, then give me steroids. Let's go. Yeah, I'm down for that. But my health is my biggest factor. I've never taken a PED, and I do not want to fight people who are taking PEDs. End quote. Uh, Wow, that's abrasive from Gaethje. You don't typically... I mean, you know, was it Nate Diaz who who famously said everybody's on steroids? But this yeah. is a direct, a direct call out. Is he just angling for a fight here, Luke?
0: Yeah, hard to divorce between. And by the way, did you see um, Rafael Fazeev's tweet today? No. About this? <laughs> Do you remember that? I, I, I got to be delicate about this. Do you remember that Conor McGregor video? This the, It was on Instagram. The, it was one of the Instagram stories where he was on a boat and... Wasn't exactly clear what he was doing on that boat with potentially mean, another woman. Do you remember this? Are you,
1: no, yeah, that was with D. D was was on the D, right?
0: Uh, again, I'm not going to comment about that. I don't know what the proper way to describe that is, but I'll just say it looked, uh, you know, interesting. But you're anyway, not talking
1: about that one where he was in bed and then that other girl like filmed herself, like in no, the no, 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 no. He's like oh. he's
0: clearly on like the water. Like there's water all around him. Oh. Um. Anyway. Fazeev took that video and was like, "Oh, here's Justin Gaethje negotiating with Connor for a fight."
1: Oh wow! And that I was is, like, show, "Okay, that's a, all right, yeah." Uh, so
0: anyway, here's what I would say. First thing is, I have heard every fighter and their brother tell me they don't want to fight someone on PEDs. Then they get booked against a certain person who is like, you know, somewhat rumored to have used them or you know got caught using them in the past. And then they just say, "Yeah, I'm sure they're on it this time. It is what it is. I don't care." Like they all say that they don't want to fight someone on PEDs, and then they end up potentially doing it. And then they just say, it's no big deal. I'm going to win no matter what. Well, you know, forgive me for thinking that this is not like the hardest stance that uh, they have ever taken. Uh, But dude, it comes back to the Conor McGregor thing being off testing for like a year. And they're still testing guys like Travis Brown who hasn't fought since fucking what 2015 or 16 or something like that. It just doesn't make any sense. They refuse to have any transparency about the issue. They refuse to acknowledge whether there's carve outs, absent retirement or being excluded from the organization. And so, to me, fighters are going to use anything they want, defamatory or otherwise, this is just what you're going to get. Is he angling for a fight? Probably, probably. But, um, you know.
1: Where does where does uh, Gechi go next? Because, Luke, I, dude, I really thought he was going to win the championship, and I had been keeping him in my top 10 pop for pound, and he got handled, Luke. He got handled, okay? He got handled. Where does he go next?
0: You know, the fact that he beat the living dog shit out of Tony, but then didn't have really anything for Habib. I know you think he did. He, he didn't. Well, um, I mean although he had we love Justin Ga- I have to say this, like Justin Gaethje has been nothing but kind to us, so you know, I'm really grateful for his kindness, but that I did not think that fight was went his way. And certainly you would agree that um the Charles Oliveira fight just really never went his way. Although he did knock Charles down. He did he hurt did, him. But he did hurt him. Dude,
1: he got dominated on the ground. I mean, I know it's not yeah. the first time, Luke, but that's a yeah. he got stopped in three and a half minutes.
0: Yeah, but so the common denominator is against the two champions, Oliveira and, uh, well, uh, and uh, Habib. It, it it didn't go his way, um, and so where do you go from here? He's still ranked number three. I, I still think he could be in relevant fights, but this probably explains more about talking about Conor McGregor because that's a really, really big fight, yeah. and it's uh it puts Conor back to the top of the division or pretty close to it anyway if he wins, and... I think the fans would love it. I think the fans would absolutely love a fight like that. So I kind of get it.
1: Okay. Uh, How about this fight that's just been booked? It's going to go down October 29th on Showtime pay-per-view. We already know Jake Paul and Anderson Silva in the main event. We've got Chris Avila versus Dr. Mike on the card. We've also got this one, recently retired UFC middleweight Uriah Hall. It's going to take on former NFL running back star Le'Veon Bell with Bell fresh off of that one-punch KO of Adrian Peterson. Early lines are coming out in multiple books. You're seeing basically minus 600 in the direction of Uriah Hall. Luke, I know he can't kick in this fight, but Le'Veon Bell's barking up a, a pretty big tree here, correct?
0: I don't understand the matchmaking here uh all that much. I mean here's it's the interesting. thing. BC.
1: Dude, it's pretty interesting, but there this is dangerous for Leviathan. I mean, here's legit. what
0: I here's what I don't get about, and again, we're talking about two very different commissions. The point I'm about to make involves two different state commissions. So they could have just wildly different interpretations of all of this. But here's the point I want to make. When Connor wanted to box Floyd, then the, the Vegas commission said, okay, sure, even if you're making your pro debut in boxing, Your, and again, he was a champion in the UFC. Let's be very clear about that. Double champ in the UFC. Let's be very clear about that. So that's, that puts him in a different space than Uriah Hall. Fair enough. But what their argument was explicitly that because he had such relevant experience in MMA, they felt like it wasn't a bridge too far to book a fight against Floyd, all things being what they were. Okay. But then what Arizona is basically saying is despite the fact that, you know, Hall was not a UFC champion, but a very good UFC fighter, we want to pump the brakes on what might be possible in boxing by matching you up with someone who doesn't have hardly any experience and combatively has just one fight previous to this one. It's a view of what it means to fight in the UFC that is almost totally the opposite. One, it's good enough for you to fight the best fighter of your generation. The other one, it's only good enough to fight a running back turned boxer one time. I, I guess I just don't understand what is how do commissions view What you've done in the UFC as a way to make an assessment for who you should box. It seems like the commissions are not on the same page.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm going to be, we're going to be there. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to play a big role. Paul's going to win that one, right? Paul's going to win that one. I mean, you look, the six to one favorite. Right. It's, again, he can't kick or take people down, but he's got good hands, right? I mean, Le- Le'Veon Bell was well, kind of th- getting... So,
0: if you think about his two best knockouts, the one in the other, Ultimate Fighter, that was a spinning kick, and then he had... Both of them were spinning kicks. And then the one he had, or at least turning anyway, and then the one he had on Musasi, right? So, I think he's been a little bit more kickboxer than boxer. But, dude, yes, like, does Rao Hall have hands? Fuck yeah, he does. Although, I thing... will say this about Le'Veon Bell. Like, you saw the fight he had against Adrian Peterson. He was pretty good, all things... He, he was, but he
1: wasn't. He am I wrong in my recollection that he was losing that fight before the knockout?
0: Um, you could say that. You okay. could say that.
1: Okay, all right. But the Maybe trap is... he
0: set that knocked out uh, Peterson was pretty clever.
1: Okay, if Le'Veon Bell wins this, or let's say even for either for both guys. How big does this catapult them forward in this larger crossover celebrity boxing bubble, which by the way, also includes Jose Aldo going this week, making public content comments saying, I'm looking for a big boxing fight. I still got some, something left. Does the winner of Le'Veon Bell and Uriah Hall get a big fight off of this? Or is this just like the same thing as Darren Williams versus Frank Gore? I mean, it definitely
0: hurt. Can't hurt if you win. Okay. Here's what I'll say. Bell has a lot to win. Like, if he beats Uriah Hall... Uriah Hall is not washed. Remember, yeah. his last fight was against Andre Muniz. And it was all on the ground. And Muniz subs everybody and didn't sub him. Like, he has good sub defense. Also, remember I told you I was going to the airport the next day and there was Uriah Hall. And he goes, hey, hey, you're that MMA guy. I was like, <laughs> yes, yes, I am. So yes. I guess we'll see him in, uh, in Phoenix. Um, Bell has a shitload to win here. I think if Bell wins... He could do a lot with it. And certainly if you're Hall, it's not nothing to get this. It would be pretty nice as well. But I just, it's unclear. It's really unclear what this whole new space means. You just have to have the yeah. right opponent. Who
1: is that? I don't know. Interesting. Very interesting. How about this news? Former Bellator and UFC analyst, Jimmy Smith. I believe he also replaced you at Sirius XM Radio, correct? Great he did, guy. yes, correct. His time as... Play by play blow by blow announcer for WWE Raw has actually come to an end. And it's a little bit surprisingly as WWE through Variety announced a commentary team shakeup. Uh Luke, I'm told by CBS Sports' Brent Brookhouse. I no longer watch the product that Jimmy Smith was a you know basically a breath of fresh air and and really good and made a very quick transition to learn, you know, it's a different tone, it's a different everything calling pro wrestling, right? It's it's uh but this is a little bit surprising on my end. Where do you think Jimmy Smith can go next? 45 years old, one of the best analysts in the game, one of the nicest guys in the whole game, Luke. Uh, I hope he gets a big-time opportunity off of this.
0: I love Jimmy Smith. Um, You know, I was over the moon that he got my slot. uh, Well, I shouldn't say my slot. The slot that I occupied anyway during my time at SiriusXM, and now it is his slot. And uh, he does a great job. If you've never heard Unlocking the Cage, it's a phenomenal show. Here's my thought on this whole thing. <laughs> you know, he was working with Bellator and it didn't work out. He was working with UFC and it didn't work out. He was working with WWE and it didn't work out. Show me at any point in his Bellator run, in his UFC run, or in his WWE run that the fans complained he wasn't very good. Right. Never happened. It. You can always quibble with this call or that one or whatever. No one's perfect. Everyone has a bad call once in a while. Sure. But in general, people liked what Jimmy Smith offered for Bellator. People liked what Jimmy Smith did for his one year with UFC. And I don't watch pro wrestling, but I was very delighted to hear from everyone who does that Jimmy Smith there, I was like, how's he doing in WWE? Everyone's like, dude, he's pretty good, actually. Like, he's doing a great job.
1: I don't understand how someone this
0: talented can't keep the jobs based on ability. that way see
1: i mean you know there could be behind the scenes politics it could be bad luck but don't forget that when the pbc launched he he was the blow by blow guy on uh pbc on spike and he was actually although that was always
0: those were always time buys i think so i don't know true but the
1: point is he jumped into both boxing and pro wrestling really without any experience and swam he was very good in bellator i liked what i saw in ufc maybe he caught some you know political pitfalls there that that didn't open but any promotion, it seems, could add this guy tomorrow and, and have a huge upgrade. So hopefully, you know.
0: Yeah, I really hope. I, I would love to hear him back in MMA. He is uh, he's very good in MMA. So we shall see. We shall see. But it, it's a crime. It's a crime if that guy can't get hired to do a job he is overqualified yeah. for.
1: He was pretty good, too, on American Ninja Warrior Season 2, Luke. He was the sideline reporter. I'm sure you didn't. Was watch. he Really? Yeah, he was, he was, yeah. Who
0: was the uh, previous, like, desk, and Amanda Guerra has it now. Uh, who was the, pre- Jen Brown, was that her name?
1: Yes, Jen Brown, yes.
0: She was also the previous sideline reporter on American Ninja Warrior as well.
1: That's a that's another good point, Luke, there you go. Our final, I've watched a
0: fair amount of American Ninja Warrior.
1: I've My kids were obsessed at one point, Luke. I actually, Luke, I actually at one point interviewed... With Vox to become like the head of the American Ninja Warrior website at one point. That's Are you a true fucking fact. kidding me? I'm not kidding. That's all. It was a long you time. Dod- ago, you dodged but. a bullet.
0: But uh, who was the uh, who's the uh, the former football player who is the analyst on
1: there? Oh, Kabaja Kabajo Gamelia.
0: Yeah, I forget his name, but uh, he's good
1: too. He's really good. Yeah, no, they're, they're good. They're good. Matt Eisman, the the the. Oh yeah, Matt Eisman's the other one. Yeah. All right, the final bit of uh, announcements to react to KSW seventy seven. How about this, Luke? Mohamed Kalidov versus the, the the Punchki's still still rolling out there. Marius Pujanovsky. Look, Puja is a hero of yours. He's back against Mohamed Khalidov. Are you into this?
0: So this is a weird one. Khalidov is maybe if you made a list of the best fighters to never fight in UFC, Khalidov would probably be on the list. Um, he's a middleweight.
1: I don't know he's him at weight. all, Luke. I don't know. My casual ass doesn't know this guy from Adam, okay?
0: So you would know him because there was a time when he was going to go to UFC and then stay with KSW instead. Um, you know, you would put Fedor on the list of best fighters to never fight in UFC and some other ones. I wouldn't put King, him on the level. King of Fedor, Mo the
1: wall, Luke, okay?
0: King Mo, certainly. I love King Mo. Um, Me too. Ma- Mamikaladov is a very, very good fighter, a little bit older now, but he's naturally a middleweight. You know, he could fight at 205, obviously, but. Dude, fucking Pujanowski is an enormous heavyweight. Like, KSW just does what they want. KSW, if you've never watched any of their shows, in terms of their live show, they sort of consider themselves to be the the descendants of pride and putting yeah. on this big, grand spectacle. I had one of their promoters in studio once at MMA Hour, and he basically explained, like, we could do more shows, but if we did more shows, we couldn't do them with all of the pomp and circumstance that we do. So we purposely limit the amount of shows that we have so that each one is this grand experience. If you've never seen KSW, you should write that wrong.
1: You think Pooja's clean, Luke? Yes. <laughs> yes. Get the, get the hell out of here. He's natty for life. All right. Uh, we got happy hour to come, but let's squeeze in a couple of dead wrongs. It's morning combat. At gmail.com, the email address for your Wednesday fan subs. And every Friday, you get the chance, viewer, listener, wherever you're consuming this, to call us out on the carpet and find out if it does indeed match the drapes. This one's called Dead Raw. We've got angry male viewers. Okay, Luke, let's start (laughs) with Adam here. He's a big fan of the show, but he says that two hours and two minutes, BC states that the best knockout of the week from Have You Seen This Shit quote comes from this karate match. That's dead wrong, BC. It's not a karate match. It's a point kickboxing fight which shouldn't have any knockouts allowed. I would have given BC a pass but we have to listen to his awful jokes then Luke's awkward silence every show. Seriously, Big Fan, it's Adam. Uh okay, Seriously, Adam. Big I mean, Fan. <laughs> I mean, you know, when it shows up on Have You Seen This Shit, Luke, it's all karate to me or regional MMA. I mean, come on. Wait. You know what I mean?
0: Uh I yes. Yes, or as yeah. the B-team calls jiu-jitsu, Mexican ground karate.
1: There you go. There you go. Uh, this is Jared. He says, I would never question BC's boxing knowledge or history of the sport because he is a card-carrying member of the Hardcore Club. But unfortunately, his memory is like your staff on set, kind of there, but not really. Uh, During Wednesday's show, while talking about Moreno and Figgy Part 4, BC was explaining that there can be customer fatigue in long rivalries when they share the ring four times and brought up the famous example of Pacquiao-Morales. Only Pacquiao fought Morales three times. I'm sure you meant Marquez. Well done on begging for the awards and good luck to the future. Do we really beg, Luke? I mean, seriously, do we beg?
0: Listen, I want to be very clear about this. I have... Zero shame about begging, <laughs> advocating whatever you want to call it yeah. for those votes. If you had any idea what they did for our careers, yeah, you wouldn't you would be like, oh, okay, I get it. I, I get mean,
1: it. are you gonna you're gonna accuse Joe Biden now of begging for votes, Luke? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, probably. Uh yeah, you're right. It is four fights against uh Juan Manuel Marquez, three fights for Pacquiao against uh Eric Morales, both rivalries. Please watch them all in their entirety. Thank you. I'll take the L because I speak so fast, Luke, that sometimes I fuck up, bro. All right.
0: I know that feeling, bro. All
1: right. Here's Ian M. He says, Good afternoon, MK. At one hour and 23 minutes and 20 seconds of episode 357, BC makes a reference to Freddie Mercury and the Queen song, Fat Bottom Girls. The BC's 90s and early 2000s reference graphic then played across the bottom of the screen. This is dead wrong. Fat Bottom mm. Girls was released in 1978, not mm. the 90s or 2000s. Indeed, the Fre- the great Frankie me- Freddie Mercury, excuse me, died in 1991. Not sure how many Delta Eights the show's staff are taking. I'm gonna <laughs> go out on a limb and say a lot, but I think they need to up the dosage, E and M. So, Luke, he's basically calling out Long Island. Luke, well, I gotta say, right the
0: here. staff is taking some strays today in these uh, drive-bys, huh?
1: I mean, I would defend them if they didn't deserve it, Luke.
0: It's fu- It's hilarious that the staff just hit the button, thinking like, "Yeah, '90s, '70s. It was yeah, all before we were born." It's suck, lyrics, a, it's, suck a, suck yeah.
1: you know. I mean, they opened the show with a '90s reference. Out uh, this show, even though I made a Portugal the Man like 2020 reference, like, but that's fine. You know what I mean? That's fine. Uh, we got one more for you. It's Kai from Ontario, K Y, like the jelly, Luke. He says, "Hey, Luke in BC, I was browsing the internet the other day and it's, came it's across Astroglide from Ontario." It came across this pathetic wash scrub with terrible cable management. Check it out. This guy, whoever he is, is guaranteed to be a worse human than any diehard NFL fan.
0: Yes. Fair. Wow. Very fair. So here's what happened. Now there's one there's only one. There's only one I can defend. It's the one that's plugging into the iPad on the bottom right. I'll defend that one.
1: Please Gaff, can we yeah, go full, full screen here? Let's, let's break this down. Let's I, ha- I had, I had, so,
0: okay. So the one over the morning combat logo, I had to, cause the iPad wasn't charged and I had to, at 5 PM, I turned back into a pumpkin cause I have to watch my kids. So I had to record it before then. And so as a consequence, with the iPad not being charged, I had to plug it in. I'll defend that. The other two is cause I'm a fucking dumbass. I'm a wow. dumbass wow. and didn't even realize. I usually have everything taped. In fact, BC, if you notice on the one on the far left you can actually see
1: said tape just dangling in the wind like just an old man's balls over there. Kind of like your earpiece during a live MK show in the studio, Luke. It's just dangling, right? Yeah, I
0: deserve deserve this roasting. Very, very pathetic cable management.
1: He said whoever the guy is in that picture is guaranteed to be a worse human than any diehard NFL fan. Wow, Kai slinging it. (laughs) Luke, what is that picture you had up there? Is that your house right there?
0: Uh, this is my room. It's the room I'm in right now. Uh, the yeah, picture is... on the right is by this Colombian artist um, in, uh, well, whose stuff I like is the long story short. Yeah.
1: Oh, wow. You kind of, you quickly put that thing back in the hole, whatever you're about to say. You no, know, no, no, no. Uh, I mean, I can tell, tell you more
0: about him, but I don't think you'd really care. It's more like, it's more like indigenous surrealist kind of art, okay. but it's, it's pretty cool.
1: I appreciate art. I'm not here to make fun of it, Luke. All right. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, we were going to close. We are going to close right now, Friday, right? Let, let, let's take it down easy. Let's let's unbutton the top button. Let's unbutton the fly if you need to zip that thing down. Uh, this is what we do on Friday. We we talk some shit. We enjoy. Pour yourself a cold one. Tip your bartender on the way out. This is called MK Happy Hour. Ah, uh, yeah, half price drinks. Luke, apps are free. Okay, we got apps right apps here. Apps are free. Um, I got some topics we could talk about, whatever, Luke. The point is here, there's no rules. But you know, our staff, they they want they want Luke Thomas's piss to come out, Luke. So you know I brought up that story that that's lingering around that Dana White was on that podcast where he told that story that he had that doctor fly in who said you have less than yeah, 10 years. Not a to doctor.
0: Live. Not a doctor, by the way.
1: Uh so Dana responded to this picture that is everywhere of him having slimmed down and gotten into shape. And a comment Dana made was, the douche who said steroids is the type of person you can't help, 10 times health system is incredible and has changed my life. Can we go full screen on here, Luke? This is 53-year-old Dana White in response. Now, look, I got called out by my doctor to, to clean up my liver. He got called out by this specialist, and look at him now. What are you going to say now? Wait, Bad so he's about this saying man. he's saying he's not on roids? He's saying the douche who said steroids is the type of person you can't help. This ah. is the, uh, the, this health system he's on has changed his life and and is incredible. Luke, is there any, is there any chance Uncle Dana's clean? All natty? Yes, like Pooja. Pro,
0: pro, again, who the hell knows? And I want to be 1,000% clear about this because we used to do this to Lorenzo. Lorenzo had biceps like, you know, The twenty inch pythons of Hulk Hogan and shit,
1: right? Dripping HGH from his from his exactly, don't care at all.
0: I mean, just I mean, absolutely their choice. That's an hold on. Let me.
1: Whoa, 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 whoa! Hold on, hold on, hold on,
0: hold on. Two things or three things. One, if it is steroids, I just want to be clear. I don't care. Like really, truly, don't care. Like live your life the exact way you want to do it. If this makes you happy, God bless you. Number two, that guy he hired is not a doctor. In fact, in his own bio, he says explicitly he's not a physician. He identifies himself as biohacker, which is just red flag of all red flags.
1: This sounds like that guy that Tom Brady hangs out with, right?
0: Uh, Guerrero? Yeah, yeah. who you know, has had multiple athletes test positive for performance-enhancing drugs, which is always funny. Um, and three, do I think he's like... Like, here's the thing. Do I think he's like on anabolic steroids? I have no fucking idea. Do I think that this is the product of just eating right and living right? I have my suspicions, B.C. <laughs> I have did my you, suspicions.
1: Did you see that show where where Peyton Manning's older brother Cooper went in Dana's backyard and they were like talking? They were grilling and just talking. He lost shit. count of the number of pools he has. Yeah, yeah, that was. I mean, look, membership as a millionaire has its privileges. I mean, but yeah, I got to give him credit here. You know, we talk some shit. He's talked some shit about us in our lives, Luke. Okay, he he he, he looks phenomenal. I'm not going to hate. It. He looks phenomenal. Look, he has enough money to 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 gas up, and if he did right there at 53. I mean he has abs dude like legit abs right yeah and here's the other part too it's
0: like if you're 53 and you have all the money in the world to buy not just drugs but like the very best drugs and on top I want to point out something to hire the kind of well this guy's a biohacker but to hire the kind of medical oversight to make sure that your blood work looks good and everything else right where you can because again I want to be clear about this folks understand this you can take Tylenol in the wrong dose and kill yourself it's Actually, not that hard to do. All drugs have intelligent use cases and non-intelligent use cases. So if he's 53, has all the money in the world to get high-quality stuff with high-quality supervision around it for all your health markers, why the fuck wouldn't you? Why the fuck wouldn't you? Dude, I'm telling you, I'm thinking about when I hit 50, I'm just going to punt, just going to fucking punt, and then just take all the drugs in the world. I really am thinking about that these days. Because the way I'm living now is just pathetic.
1: All right. Uh, here's a scenario I'm going to offer you. Let's say I give you three weeks to get ready. That's it. I know Three Dana weeks? Turns, I know Dana tried to box Tito that time, but how about not boxing? You versus this version of Dana White at 53 in a high roller's main event with gimmicks being passed around in the crowd. Emily <laughs> Whitmire and C- Cynthia Calvio were there like last time, Luke. Uh we're hanging out with uh with sideline reporter, you know, Alex who used to work on our show. Um shout out to, by, by the way, did you see Alexandra's uh sparring or grappling match she posted on IG, Luke? Al Wenling? I did, I did
0: not. Did she do well?
1: She did. She won. Big big shout out to Alex Wendling. Uh, uh was a big part of our show on the social staff. Uh Luke, you versus Dana high rollers three weeks to clean up your act who wins
0: three weeks that ain't shit man
1: but he don't roll Luke you have yeah 10 I mean years I guess I guess experience. in that sense
0: I oof. I guess I'd win I guess I'd win but I gotta tell you I don't like my chances <laughs> against a whole lot these days uh, okay. I'm in a fairly pathetic state so
1: okay what about arm wrestling
0: no my my shoulders are all fucked up no okay okay.
1: All right, all right. Uh, Luke, remember when you poo-pooed the idea of uh, Patricio Pipple saying that Dana White should allow him to fight Alexander Volkanovsky?
0: I'm not poo-pooing it. I mean, it'd be cool if he did, but what the fuck is his incentive?
1: Well, you know, you ever hear of Henry Cejudo? He was on his show, the Triple C and the Smo Show, and uh, Cejudo said, quote, I say, this is Cejudo, UFC fighter. I say we start challenging the UFC. To me, I'm not a UFC fighter. I'm a fighter that wants to say I am the best. And I believe in competing and going up against anybody that is the best. And if it does happen to be Volkanovski, then they think, give him Pitbull. Pitbull has been there. He's defeated some of the greats. I think it's time for the crossover. I just think Pitbull's IQ, his power, the fact that he can wrestle. I mean, he's a real mixed martial artist. I think people need to really pay him respect, though he's not part of the UFC. He got rid of a guy like Chandler in a minute and a half. Think about it. A real guy that's a top guy in the world at 155. This dude got rid of him in a minute and a half, which is crazy. Would Max Holloway or Volkanovsky do that to somebody like Chandler? End quote. Now, we were talking about the greatest fighters to never have a UFC appearance. Certainly, Pitbull's high up on that list. What do you make of Cejudo essentially calling out his own boss? Make the fight. Make the crossover super fight that feels impossible.
0: Yeah, I don't think it changes anything but i do agree with cejudo's analysis remember there's a common denominator though between the pitbull brothers and henry cejudo and you know what i'm about to say it's captain eric albera yeah. <laughs> So you the think this is an inside job
1: this is an inside oh, yeah. job dude, from- they,
0: they train together they've trained pitbull and the and cejudo have trained together now he's got a good point like dude again so we're talking about best fighters that ever fight in ufc cejudo is like or sorry i'm not saying cejudo um pitbull as you indicated He's either at or right near the top of that list of guys who just haven't done it yet. And, dude, to beat Michael Chandler the way he did is fucking impressive. Super impressive. Um, But, again, what the fuck? I mean, he's like, I'm not a UFC fighter. I'm just a regular fighter. It's like, no, no, I've got bad news for you. Your contract (laughs) explicitly states they are your sole promoter. Uh, (laughs) I've seen the
1: contracts. You're back in the testing pool right now, Henry. So, yeah, yeah. So, but Uh, he's right
0: about he's right about Pitbull overall, though. Pitbull's a fucking amazing fighter.
1: What are the odds if these two fought tomorrow? What are the betting odds? Pitbull Volk.
0: Ooh, Volk minus (sighs) minus one eighty, minus two hundred, somewhere in there. Um, and Pitbull plus one fifty, plus one seventy five, something like that.
1: Okay, I, I'm not angry at that. Um, you know, I mean, Dana once brought Chuck Liddell to Pride, Luke. I mean, that was a long time ago.
0: Yeah, it didn't go that well, did it?
1: <laughs> so you're saying Dana's not going to bring Volkanovsky to Showtime so that we can...
0: No, but I, here's the thing. There used to be this... Okay, so here we talked, we talked on Wednesday about all of the financial losses of one. You have to understand something. There was an era right after the Ultimate Fighter. I mean, even before the Ultimate Fighter, but certainly after the Ultimate Fighter where the UFC just exploded in popularity. And so all of these other smaller promoters, some who had been in the game before, but some who came afterwards, were all trying to get in on it. And for example, a big one was the IFL. The IFL, International Fight League, tried a team format and all this stuff, and it all and it all failed and it all went nowhere and it was a bunch of, uh, you know, it, it didn't go all that great. So there was a time, and there's a famous like picture, and in fact, it ended up backfiring on him, where he had the tombstone of all of the rival promoters who tried to sort of say that, you know, we're going to be better than UFC and they all kind of went tits up. I bring this all up to say that there was a, you know, a good 10 year period where you could watch them all even more than that shit. Five year period where they all went tits up. And then the UFC absorbed a bunch of their talent. Now the biggest of those was strike force. I got to tell you before strike force got absorbed, there was widespread skepticism that any of those guys were going to do all that well. And then lo and behold, many of them ended up becoming champions and it turns out they were right on par in general with the rest of the ufc roster if not much better than many of them same with wec by the way i know it sounds kind of crazy and of course you know 145 and 135 this wasn't relevant because ufc didn't have those weight classes anyway at the time but for the 155ers for your pettis for your henderson for your cerrone's there was let me state this one more time widespread skepticism that they would ever amount to anything in the ufc lo and behold Many of them became champions. What do you see today? You see the exact same thing. You see, oh, Pitbull couldn't do shit. All these other guys couldn't do shit. Let me warn many of you, Pitbull would not only beat many of your favorite fighters, he would knock their fucking dicks in the dirt. Pitbull would beat a lot of them, a lot of them. And he would do it with a fucking did viciousness you, that would hurt your feelings. Just to be very clear about it. you steal that from
1: Spence, dude? Did you steal? Sp- you stole that joke from Errol Spence. What? What kind of Carlos Mencia bullshit? Right, hold is this it, let me,
0: let me let's back up a step here. Are you under the impression that the first time someone used the phrase "dick in the dirt" came from Errol Spence?
1: Well, I will. I'm under hold the on, impression. Hold ba-
0: on. Yes or no? Is that the first time you've ever heard that?
1: I'm under the impression that two days ago, Errol Spence uh, broke out a bunch of tweets that you could cryptically tell you that the Spence Crawford fight is still going to happen and still close. Right. You know, whatever. Right, right, but right. one of those, he threw shade at. Crawford's buddy Keyshawn Davis, the rising yes. prospect, where the quote said, "I don't need to lie to you. I don't, him. I don't throw shade. Your little cheerleading ass going to be heartbroken when I put that boy dick in the dirt." <laughs> <laughs> and I and I laughed which, so. Which, by freaking, the way, is a
0: great tweet. It's a great. Oh, tweet. it's
1: so. I mean, if this was Social Justice Wednesday, it would be fantastic, Luke. I think that was fresh in your mind, and you, you know, it you could just, have been.
0: It could have been, but I've heard it a million times before that. Um, in any case. I'm just pointing out, like he would. I don't think he'd beat Volkanovski because Volkanovski is like the best guy I think in the world. But by the way, it's very possible he could beat Volkanovski, and he would beat a lot of other fighters that you love, and you would be very heartbroken about it. Just trust me on that.
1: And pitbull would be willing to sleep with their wives afterwards as well. That guy's just a savage, Luke. Okay, maybe I, I take that, that back without knowledge. But he carries that aura. Like I'm I'm coming into this party to take your cases of beer home with me after I kick your ass and take your women, you know? He has yeah, You know that how Fandora
0: is like super tall but kind of nerdy? Yeah. Pitbull is like the exact opposite of yes. Sebastian Fandora. He's super short and compact, but he walks in the fucking room like he owns that joint.
1: Luke, remember when we debated on the last happy hour we did after Celtics coach Aimee Udoka received a one-year suspension? Dude, we haven't updated that. There's been a lot of rumors getting thrown Are we around. We're not going to talk about the Draymond Green thing. We will. We will, Luke. Okay, okay? We, we will. I mean, the next time you host Happy Hour, I'll get out of your way and let you take it from here, Luke. But do you like? There's been comments by Matt Barnes that's been very cryptic that that seem to 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 you know to tease that he may know something. Do you get the feeling here? We know that Udoka had an out of wedlock affair with a team employee who was, you know, lower than him on the depth chart. And there's also been some disturbing quotes that came out of that, but the Celtics are not releasing the details. Are you a part of this conspiracy movement that believe that Udoka cheated with the wrong woman, meaning some high executive's wife? Is that like, did that, ha- I, I read some shit on Twitter. I didn't know if it, you know, no, no.
0: Has, uh, who's his existing wife, Neil Long? Has she... Has she punted on everything yet?
1: Yeah, she's gone public. It's not good, Luke. It's not good.
0: What did she say? I don't remember.
1: I don't know at this point. But, uh, th- like, it's got to be an extreme, uh, uh, like, an extremely. Well, apparently, the story,
0: isn't the story that for a while it was consensual, but then at some point it wasn't, and then yeah. he was harassing her?
1: There was harassment and inappropriates. Uh, we have Gaff pulling up Neil Long comment. She said she got blindsided by this. Uh, yeah, I bet. I, I mean they were they've been engaged forever, Luke. It's just hey, look, it's not a good situation overall. I hope it doesn't hurt the Celtics dude, in this coming year. The two but things I'm he... more
0: interested in than this would be one, uh the fizzling marriage of Tom Brady. <laughs> oh, then... dude,
1: let's let's get into that. So the the word is that they both hired divorce attorneys and that she's the one pushing for this. But isn't the rumor that she's tried this many times before, Luke?
0: May I, I, listen. Who the hell knows what's gonna happen? We're responding to this uh, celebrity nonsense. Like we did not have any fucking inside information. We're just two dumbasses opining.
1: We are two dumbasses. Just talk. It's happy hour, bro. We're just talking shit. Okay. So
0: what I'm saying is, um dude, this motherfucking guy might punt on his marriage. And by the way, Bucks are 0 and 2 at home this season. We'll see how things go here this upcoming week. Uh, also, he could just prove Adam Schefter wrong about his tweet. I mean, you got to be shitting me that this guy going back was necessary. Like everything I'm not gonna say the, the Bucks season's a disaster. It's a very good team, but like this is, I don't know if this is exactly happening the way that Brady thought in his head it was gonna go. I think that's pretty fair.
1: Okay. I mean, do you think this is over him deciding to come back, or do you think things broke apart and then he's like, "F it, I'm going back."
0: No, I'm away I think from you, I think his devil fa- woman. I saw there was some accusation, like sources close to Giselle. She used a word that uh, caught my attention, and it was that she needed Tom Brady to be more "quote present," bro. If the if your if your wife is complaining you're not present enough, there is bad shit about to happen in your life. Let me just tell you that's that fair. right now. That's
1: fair. We've we're, that's we're, a, that's we're, a that's
0: a major red flag. A major red flag.
1: I mean, look, he was drunk as shit at that Super Bowl parade thing by the water there. Like haven't
0: you seen like have, we haven't talked about this either like have you noticed how his face has changed since yeah, he, like he like got like into he's the like league?
1: in a confinement camp right now or something right
0: no a confinement camp really were you gonna say concentration camp and you thought confinement was like a little nicer
1: i thought it was it was more pc luke you're confined within the camp you know
0: yeah, all right. Uh, I'm confined Which is just to another this way conversation of, of, with you. of
1: calling a daycare, Luke. A daycare is basically a confinement camp, right?
0: It can be, yes, yeah, certainly. Also, yeah. a disease incubator uh, as well. Yeah. Uh, I'll just say this: I, you know, he retired, and then a fucking month later, he was like, "Yeah, fuck my family, dude." If he did an interview, I think it was with Showtime's own Jim Gray, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah,
1: they do a podcast together, Luke.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I think on that, he had said, now this is not true." Absent football season. So, you know, when there's no season going on, this is, you know, no restriction. Obviously, you can live a relatively normal life. But during football season, I don't think, he, something like he hasn't had a Christmas or Thanksgiving in 20 years, hasn't gone to a birthday party during football season in 20 years. You know, bro, I I I I, I don't know what it's like to live his life, but I feel like he may have miscalculated his return a little bit if, He's made that much sacrifice, retires, and then a month later he's like, "Yo, fuck my family."
1: Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. It's very interesting. Uh, I got a couple a couple of fun things to go through here. Luke, did you you know that we we talked about Hasbula signed an official UFC deal not to fight but to lend his his licensing? They now have a UFC store. The legend Hasbula clothing line. Luke, those t-shirts you see are all $30 right now on the UFC store. What would it take to get you in one of those?
0: Here's the question. And the answer is it must because they're using his likeness. But like how much of a cut does he get? You know what I'm saying?
1: I hope a lot. I mean, I I love. Look, here's the deal. I, at first, I was like, "F this guy," but I'm not lying. That 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 bar stool interview they did just completely won me over. This guy's ridiculous and I, hilarious. I don't. I don't
0: hate him at all. Like, I don't. It's why, why would I hate him? He's done nothing to my life in any way bad. I, I don't. I don't hate him. I just don't understand the fascination with him, and I tend to think the fascination is a little bit fetishizing little
1: people. It is to a degree, but he's a badass, Luke. He's like, you know, like is I just he, saw another is that picture what he of him. Is, a badass posing with Bilal muhammad and he punched him right in the face and i know you hate when he does that to like shack and stuff well it's like dude
0: are you a badass or are you just a malcontent i mean what's the what's the line between badass and malcontent
1: i think you look at hasbula and you you see a little bit of the same spirit that's inside of you and you hate that there's another one out there luke
0: uh i don't like well i used to want to go around randomly punching people but now i don't i don't have that inside me anymore all
1: right all right um I I don't really love these shirts, but I'm not against the idea of myself. I mean, I'm I'm going to wait till they're on the clearance section of the site and they're like $4.99. Then I'm going to buy them all, Luke. But until then, I I could I would love to wear them, just not for full price. I'll say I'm this much.
0: Skate. I'll say this much for whatever 15 minutes Hezbollah has. Yes, he's he's trying to cash in on it. God bless like him. He's trying he to cash in caveside.
1: on it. Do you hate when he sits cage side at the... No, at the I don't Olympics care about I think? that. Dude,
0: again, I think nothing he does in any way negatively affects my life. Like, I don't care in any way at all. Like, God I bless I think they him. should again. have a
1: Hasbula cam at all times on his face in the corner of the screen and get his reaction. I don't want Paul Felder's reaction to a knockout. I want Hasbula's, all right?
0: Yeah. Uh, yes, uh, really? for a little bit. I just think they overdo it. They overdo it a little bit. It's, it's uh, Again, it's also people being like, you know hey, little people are funny. Let's laugh at them kind of thing.
1: I think we're we're laughing with him as he's taking out his anger to the world Mm, on the world.
0: Sometimes, not every time. Not every time.
1: All right. Uh, Let's go to this, Luke. So Stephen A. Smith was a guest on this new Jake Paul. Like, Jake Paul's got this new betting app site thing going, and he's got a podcast. And, you know, the real MMA news out of this... uh, Let's start here. Before we go to the sound, Luke, let's start with the actual MMA news. I don't know if you saw the sound, but... He had Stephen A on, Jake did, and they're talking about fighter pay. And, dude, Stephen A gave the most pro-Dana, pro-UFC response, really, uh, of all time. And then basically accused Jake of, like, making up stats about how much UFC fighters actually get paid. He's like, I've been around so many journalists in MMA, and they don't talk about this.
0: And he's like, I've never—well, the first thing, I, I couldn't even get through it because Stephen A. Smith is just— Unbearable, but, but is it what it he's like, really
1: saying? Is what he's really saying? I've been around a lot of ESPN MMA reporters, and they, yeah. Can't. Well, so, here's
0: the thing what he says is so Jake says that the UFC fighters only make 15%, which is a little low, it's a little higher than that, but you know, not too far from the truth. And then what, and he says this is proven, which is true. Uh, that we know that the documents are out there, but then Stephen A is like, Well, I've been, you know, I've talked to a number of MMA reporters, and none of them have uh known that. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't believe you. I yeah, don't believe yeah. it. I know Brett Okamoto knows that. I know Ariel Hawani knows that. And he's not with ESPN anymore, but he used to be. I know I know for Mark Raimondi
1: knows that. Mark
0: Raimondi knows that. So which ones at ESPN are you talking to, yeah. and did you talk to them about it. fighter pay?
1: Wagenheim. That's who he talked to, Luke, and he was high as balls, all right? Yeah, he had Wagenheim, no idea where Wagenheim was. was trying
0: to say 15%, but he was so yeah. high it just came out as 50, you know?
1: Yeah, there you go. There you go. Well, Luke, here's why we're really here. Uh, Julia Rose, who we already know, Luke, Right, she follows two hundred fifty-one people on Twitter. I
0: thought it was two fifty-two.
1: Yeah, she dropped one. That wasn't me, though. Ooh. That was Shaggy. Wasn't me. Um, she apparently asked Stephen A. The, the 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 real the pressing question of the moment. Let's go to the video. Let's go to the sound.
2: No okay. bullshit, Stephen A. No bullshit, honest answer. I don't bullshit. No bullshit. I don't bullshit. Okay. Oh shit. Do you? Okay. Stephen A. Eat ass. Oh shit. No. You don't eat ass. That's an honest answer. I don't have. No. That's, a, that's a God's eat... honest answer. Never. I don't never. have to. Never. Have you gotten your ass eaten? Never. That's private. Oh yes! That's yes! A yes! It's a yes! That's private. Hey, that's private. And nothing else to (laughs) say. And nothing else to say. No bullshit, Stephen A. No bullshit. Luke, to quote
1: Chris Rock (laughs) about jail, well, the first thing that I do
0: (laughs) is make me my salad. Hold on on a second. (laughs) Julia Rose fan right here. (laughs) 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 Count me in. Count me in. Because that was... Excellent. That was super fucking excellent. I am wow. now jealous of the fact that she fucking follows you. That is awesome. We got to get her back in the chair. Remember when she sat down oh. and your whole plan? Remember when she sat down and your whole plan was to ignore
1: her for the rest of the broadcast? Remember that? Yeah, I do. I do. I do. Ass eaten sizen is is here, Luke. Wow. Wow. Can you imagine the act?
0: Can you imagine the partner? that would do that to Stephen A. Smith? you imagine how just a pathetic a creature that is? No, no.
1: Uh, Luke, you have mentioned the Draymond Green incident, so here's the deal. Golden State Warriors practice. Jordan Poole, who, let's remember, what, he averaged 20 points a game last year, but then wasn't getting the key minutes down the stretch of the finals. Um, I don't know what this was about, but here's the footage.
0: That's the tweet. Oh, here we go. Yeah, it's mine. See, and I wrote it's kind of a sucker punch because it's a little bit borderline.
1: It's aggressive, I'll tell you that.
0: It's definitely aggressive. Here's Draymond. Draymond already has in his mind what he wants. Okay, first of all, he just gets in his face and okay.
1: Oh, dude, that, come on, come is on. Is that a sucker punch or not? First of all, he's like six eight, pulls like a tiny guard. I mean, I need to know that what has it come out, what it was about, Luke? Or was it just like, look, I know Michael Jordan and Steve Kerr fought like in it gets tense in practice. And sometimes you use intimidation as motivation. I get it. What the hell was this about? Because that's dirty. That's
0: dirty. That part, I that part, I don't know. The reason why I wrote kind of it's not a clear sucker punch in the sense that like pool was standing there and out of nowhere, he just gets pushed. But if you're pool, dude, what are you supposed to do? Watch Draymond Green walk over and then and, and already pulls backing up and then he gets in his personal space and he doesn't shove him hard. He just actually even pushes his, his, his own self even further backwards to get Draymond off of him. Folks are like, oh, well, once you you know, shove him like that, you should expect a punch. Listen, all of you tough guys on the Internet, you can say whatever you want. Nobody believes you. Nobody believes you. And no one no one in their right mind thinks you should be prepared to get assaulted at basketball practice for just maintaining your own personal space that's fucking ridiculous so it's not like the clearest definition of a sucker punch i admit but it's close enough where i think it kind of fits
1: uh luke if we get to this point as teammates in the mk studio what's the fallout gonna look like
0: a more pathetic version of this
1: i mean you you know if you if you strike me luke just like the real world or road rules there's contracts if you get take it to the physical level, you're you're off the show, Luke. Okay.
0: Do you remember when that dude slapped the girl with Lyme disease? Do you remember that?
1: Are you talking about real world Seattle? Yes, when it where was he, he bangs on the
0: car as it's leaving. Yes. She has she has Lyme Irene. disease and it's fucking her all up, Irene. And so then was dude I wrong?
1: To- that was like ninety four, ninety five. I thought yeah. Irene was kind of kind of hot. Was I wrong? No,
0: that? she went to Georgetown, I think, by the way. But no, she was definitely uh, ugly. I thought but, she
1: was kind of cute, Luke, and like a yeah. But dude, somewhere. your taste
0: is like—I mean, it's just world class shit. It's just unbelievable. But anyway, so he bangs on the car door and the car stops. He opens it and then pops her one time. If you did that today, you know, you'd be completely canceled from society altogether, and it was a big scandal then. But don't he kind of got though, away with she, it.
1: Didn't she try to out him sexually? Isn't that the fuel behind it, though, Luke?
0: I don't remember that part. But didn't she have, like, mental problems because of the Lyme disease? Like, it was yeah. fucking her all up.
1: She was trying to hook up with that tough dude, and it didn't wasn't really working out for her. And then she left the show. Yeah, it's, you know, we, we lived it, Luke. We grew up. We lived it, okay? We lived
0: it. BC, are you going to check out the new Lamb of God album, Omens?
1: No, but remember at our live show that dude gave me all those uh, metal like prog CDs. I got, I got, I'm gonna break those down, Luke. I'm, I'm, I'm ready. Yeah, that ready. was Jason.
0: Jason yeah, is a great. J- Jason W. I'll say is a great. I'm gonna listener go
1: after more. those. Uh, I'm ready. I cleared out some, some space and dude, time. Dude, his. Recently.
0: I'll say this. I don't know what he gave you, so I can't speak to any of those things necessarily. But his taste in metal, it's basically about as good as it gets.
1: Dude, I get a lot of DMs from people going, look, look. I'm not trying to make you listen to Cannibal Corpse, but here's some like prog art rock jazz metal that you that's right up your left and I'm like okay I'll, I'll give it a try I'll give it a try All
0: right I've said this to you before the one I thought that you might like because here's the thing like I don't know how much I don't know how much more hardcore metal can get it's got to the point where you, you hear certain bands and it's it's just indecipherable noise And I know you're saying that about my bands but let me tell you I could play these ones and you would hear what I'm talking about it just you can't get much more than what it already is on that level so they're going a bit of a different artistic direction so one of the bands I like is Rivers of Nile, who has a saxophone player, and it's a it's not what you might imagine. It's it's pretty good.
2: Okay,
1: okay. Uh, do you remember uh, the great late late great Ginger Baker, Luke? He was uh, you know arguably the greatest drummer of all time, part of Cream and Blind Faith. Uh, I read a quote from him on Facebook yesterday that said, "A lot of people claim that we as Cream invented heavy metal. If that's the case, we should have had an abortion." Luke, your thoughts? <laughs>
0: Well, the very relevant thoughts of the cream drummer. Let me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Where, where And where's Eric Clapton as well? Oh, I know. Spouting uh, anti-immigrant nonsense. Yeah, more, more opinions from old fucks who I don't care about.
1: Okay, there you go. All right. Well, R.I.P. Ginger Baker. Uh, look, you got any other topics or you just want to close this thing? Two strong hours. Close it right now. Shut well, I do
0: down. have to get a haircut, so I do have to go. Ooh, how much um, money are
1: you looking to invest in this?
0: So this one is the one I told you about that's a little bit cheaper. It's only 60 all told. So for by DC standards, that's not bad at all. Dude, that's for $24,
1: really I get the wash, the massage, the back massage, Luke, the hot towel, the cold towel. 24 bucks, dude. Come on.
0: I know, but you also live in a place where the cost of living is like a stick of gum and a paperclip every month. Dude, we uh, just established I that
1: I live in, in, you know.
0: Yeah, but then you were like, I live on the bumfuck street, so you can't take I that do. back now.
1: Look, I live in a raised ranch, okay. I li- I'm a modest human being. I'm not like all big, big bucks like you, okay, Luke. All right, I'm, I'm not, the hard I wish I, I,
0: Believe me, I wish I was big bucks. Daddy's got uh, bills, motherfucker.
1: Speaking of our lives, Luke, I want to get the public ready for this. This coming Tuesday, October 11th. YouTube.com slash Morning Combat. They're telling me it, it might be the last one we ever do. You say we do too many documentaries? Well, apparently <laughs> the billable hours for Jake von Amsterdam are piling up. Luke, episode seven, Morning Combat documentary. It's like 40-something minutes long. If we're going out, we're going out with a bang. It's going to be live, local, and late-breaking Tuesday morning on our YouTube channel. What do you have to say to the people about this?
0: I've seen it. My wife has a cameo in it. Tukey has a cameo. Tukey has a very small cameo in it. Um, it's great. It's really great. Oh wow! It's very, very, very good.
1: But to be fair, you didn't see the ending. You're like, oh yeah, I just stopped watching. No, I've not something.
0: seen the ending. I've not seen too far. I, I think there's like five or six minutes left. I've not finished. So, um, oh, that's convenient.
1: Those five six minutes around you drinking margaritas really fast. It's really convenient. Luke.
0: That's probably why I didn't. Uh, I didn't really go that far, but. Um, <laughs> A lot of donks
1: making a a lot of donks make cameos in this, so looking forward to us as a family to enjoy this, Luke. Okay, we should be good.
0: And by the way, October 11th also my brother's birthday.
1: Oh, hey, how old is he going to be? 50.
0: He'll be 45. 45. Oh, all
1: right. If I can get him on the show for your birthday, and Gaff telling us his birthday is October 13th. Shout out to Gaff. You know, Gaff's middle name is Jim, not James. Jim.
0: I know, and I told him he should change it to like an awesome spelling, like J Y M. Because just Jim is
1: Jim. His middle name's Jim. Like like Larry, Larry Bird's middle name is Joe. Not Joseph. Just Joe.
0: I know, just Joe.
1: All right. Uh if you're That's gonna cool. do what with my brother? If I can get him on a on a Zoom morning combat interview, would you allow it? And what would you be your surprise level, Luke?
0: I'd allow it, sure.
1: Okay. But I mean, you
0: you you have you have next to no chance. You have a better chance of going and uh, developing a time machine and then actually getting my mom to show up on this. So, good luck.
1: Okay. Okay. How many gigawatts do I of electricity do I need for that challenge? Let's ask J. Aaron and his. Uh... All right, there you go. Uh, that's the show for today. Shout out as well to uh, Gaff, Long Island Luke. Corey Manich, Mikey Morma, all the great people behind the scenes. How about Brendan Lynch, our social guy, Luke? That's a guy that's gonna take you down one time and tap your ass out. Probably.
0: Probably. He probably. is young and uh, you know, on the mats. And uh I'm a wash piece of shit. So yeah.
1: Do- dollar store Gordon Ryan in the house. Thank you very much. Uh <laughs> this this Saturday, tomorrow night, Showtime Championship boxing, triple header, 10 PM Eastern, Sebastian Fundora versus Carlos Ocampo. But don't forget to settle in a little bit early. 7.30 p.m. in the East. YouTube, the Showtime Sports Channel. It's BC, this guy. It's LT, that guy. We're going to host the countdown show. We're going to call fights. It's going to be a lot of fun. Join us. Check it out. Uh, That's about all I got, Luke. You? Anything else? No?
0: I will see you guys. And a reminder, yes, they're showing the thing for Showtime. Because to watch the main card fights, you have to have Showtime. But to watch me in BC... Just need an internet connection. We're going to be on the Showtime YouTube channel. Free, easy, simple, no-brainer. Yeah. Join us, join us, join and don't us. Don't forget,
1: us. we got some big Bellator cards coming up in the future. Corey Anderson and Nemkov. I mean, you know, Narmaga Madoff versus Patrikia. I mean, you're going to want to get Showtime. Get your 30 days free right now on Showtime.com. And the next three months after that, 3.99 dollars a month. Can you beat that? You can't Not beat with that a with a bat. Not with a stick hammer can't touch that you saw our socials below like follow us thank you for voting us to all these damn awards we're gonna pay you back luke i mean can we do a live show in new york can we
0: i hope i hope
1: okay okay that's about all i got for the great luke thomas my name is brian campbell thank you for joining us uh take care take care of this okay put your mental health first today do it for yourself do it for those that love you uh, it, it, talk to people. It's okay. All right, let's spread the word. Let's spread cheer. That's LT. This is BC, and we are out of here.